Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsa. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. And we're here to bring justice for the Jedi to the masses. <laughs> Big big topic coming on uh, a little bit later today. We're talking about the Jedi. Justice for the Jedi. Their reputations, I think they've been soiled. Uh, Joseph, we're going we're to correct those <laughs> reputations, right? That's right. We're going to stop the Jedi from being soiled. <laughs> ah, uh, that's coming up later. I, 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 I'm so curious about this discussion. I, we, before we even have it, like, because not that we, you and I have two different 
ideas or approaches on this one, but I think it excited each of us in different ways. Yeah, we were differently but excited. Also, di- but also Jedi. the same. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Uh, hey, oh, excellent. I can't wait to dive into uh, that. Before we get to that, though, we always want, uh, like to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, and Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. For now, we're going to catch up as we do some Star Wars adventures, life adventures, anything uh, like that. Uh, of course, uh, you, you know, the town here, the Oscars dominated recently. Yeah. Both in watching it and our interest in it, <laughs> little, little larger, small, but also just to get around town. <laughs> yeah, just to physically you have that conversation of, uh, yeah, it's, we can't go to Chipotle. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> because the Oscars will create mm-hmm. extra ta- traffic everywhere. Can't go to Hot Topic to get underoos <laughs> because the Oscars. Uh, yet I've been really busy with uh, just life and also other nerd stuff. It's uh, mm. it's wonderful to be able to enjoy lots of different things. You know, been getting caught up on Star Trek. Uh, finally watched right. the first three episodes of Picard. Mm. Doctor Who is in full swing, and I'm going to a perform at a Doctor Who convention this weekend. So my main Star Wars adventures this week is I spent a little bit more time on Battlefront uh, and realized that they had introduced as hero characters BB-8 and bb 90 And yeah, I haven't played as BB-90 yet, but I played as BB-8 for a little while. And yeah, damn, that's uh, it's pretty fun to be able to just uh, (laughs) not kick ass, but uh, roll ass and whip ass because that's one of his big moves is he just he whips out some cords, some appendages and spins around and, you know, it's death to shins. (laughs) (laughs) I've been hearing good things about BB-8. Yeah, I haven't got to play on uh, heroes in villains mode. And I'm sure that's where if you're like. I am Count Dooku, you know, master of the dark. Ah, my knees. My <laughs> <laughs> exquisite pajamas yeah. are soiled by this ball. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so that that was a, a ton of fun. And I've just been enjoying playing some of the, the new characters uh, that are from Rise of Skywalker, the Sith Trooper and the yeah. Kefix Spy and all that kind of stuff. Tell you what, man, uh, sometimes I wish my obsession with baseball video games would subside so that I could uh, play a little bit more Battlefront 2. I'm going to get to it. I, I've been busy as well, but uh, yeah, I thought I sounded, I said that like I was competing with you. Oh, I'm busy too. <laughs> We're no, both busy, both man. busy, man. No, I just, I, I had my, my, my PlayStation controller was over the icon for Battlefront 2 the other day. Yeah, and, and it like, drifted over back to the baseball. Well, not even that. I was like, I don't have the time. Let me, maybe today's not the day today. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I had the reason that I played is I was like, okay, my wife is going to be home in X number of hours and it's going to mm. be Star Trek watching time. So yeah. I will be able to stop myself. <laughs> Otherwise, I am like BB 8 and just keep rolling. I uh, <laughs> can't stop myself. But BB 8 is a ton of fun and it's awesome that they, uh, introduced such a different kind of character yeah. as a hero character and it, i think it really brings a, a sense of fun and and levity and variety to the to the game love that uh the game keeps going the game keeps growing and i think a lot of people are a lot more people seem to be tuned into that or getting on board for that and that makes me yeah happy. yeah how about you any any star wars adventures besides considering to play battlefront 2 the yeah uh the yes you know there was uh, you know, one of those moments, uh, you know, Joseph, I know <laughs> you're the Star Wars person for a lot of people in your circle and family, too. I know I know your brother's a fan as well, too. Uh, but 
Uh, I think listeners, anyone listening to Force Center probably is that person in their family or friend. Group. Yeah. The person they turned. I think that's one of our connective friends. So I have one of my good buddies, a friend of mine, Ty, I went to high school with and everything. And, and, um, he is, he is, I think five kids now. They're all varying ages. Some okay. in college, some, but one of his, his kids, his son getting big into Star Wars and got a Time text. to talk to Uncle Ken then. I got a text from Ty going, Hey, uh, my son's about to sit. He wants to sit and watch Clone Wars, but he hasn't seen Attack of the Clones. So I told him, you should probably watch the movie before the series. And there was a pause, and this is one of those long texts Ty's telling me. Because, <laughs> and there was a pause for was him. It, was it the three dots? The three, no, like, no, no, no. Just what's you, the tension about he, Attack he wrote, of the Clones? He wrote a good uh, uh, story in this text. Okay. And he says, I, and I, so I suggested it, and there was a pause from him, and then he said, ask Ken. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I said, I believe, I think you could probably watch the Clone Wars series on its own, but I but think you on. need to see where it really begun the Clone Wars have. Yeah. And so he goes, that's what I thought. That's what our Sunday will be. So. Oh, excellent. Did you get a report? Of, uh, uh, I have. And the yeah, young gonna, in thought. I'm going to follow up today uh, to find out if, if it worked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's That's awesome. the only adventure I had that was Star Wars this week. But that's a good one. That's a great one. That's another example, I think, of how it sort of permeates our lives in ways yeah. that you don't really pay attention to unless you take the time on a podcast to go, what were my Star Wars <laughs> adventures this week? Uh, I, I did want to talk briefly about the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, so you watched most of them, right? I ended up, other than missing the only part I wanted to see, which was <laughs> Steve Martin and Chris Rock, as they started the ceremony at 5 and not the normal 5.30 I've been familiar with for 20 plus years. Uh, I missed that. Other than that, I did watch it all. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, how do you? How are you feeling as a Star Wars fan here on our Star Wars podcast about Star Wars uh, not winning any of the three things it was uh, nominated for? You know, I, I feel okay. I feel, you know, in that, in those particular categories, I, I like I love seeing Matthew Wood's name up there for the yeah. sound stuff. And David Cord. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and Oscar Isaac was uh, and, and Salma Hayek were on stage. I mean, other than the TV exploding out of sexiness for both of them there, right? But just uh, uh, getting to hear hear him deliver it and, and, and reading in but not reading into his tone of his reaction. Well, and other people certainly reading in. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, hey, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I like it. But I, there's always just so many wonderful, talented people in those categories. Yeah. Every category. But particularly those. You could almost award any of the movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just I was surprised by myself by how much more invested I was in Star Wars hmm. winning. Yeah. Okay. Some, I think because for the score, like, hey, n- having nothing to do with who else was in it or, or who won. Um but just feeling like how many more times is John Williams going to be nominated? Cause he's right. certainly done with star Wars. Mm-hmm. He's getting up there in years. Is he doing 88 now? Right. Yeah. Is he doing more films or was this a chance to, there's yeah. a part of me, I think, cause it's the star Wars of like, wouldn't that be a nice full circle if he won for the final Skywalker yeah. saga film as well, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so I was bummed out about that. I've been thinking so much about how I, how much I like the sound design mm-hmm. of rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And they call the sound design sound editing. Mm. Uh, but man, that the sound of that lightning on Exegol is so oh, yeah. unique and specific. Oh, yeah. The last time I saw it, I was really appreciating how much uh, the flashlight joke with Poe right. is sold by the very weak little clicky <laughs> Click. noise that the flashlight makes uh-huh. compared to the powerful. <laughs> like there's so much in, mm-hmm. yes, there's a legacy there and they've, they're building on what has been there. But I thought rise of Skywalker really popped to me and I felt like I heard it, yeah. uh, you know, even more than some of the other uh, recent star Wars films. So 
I would surprise myself by being invested. Uh, and I, I got real cranky. I didn't expect to. I yelled, at, <laughs> I, I, yelled at, I yelled at my screen and I'm sure, I'm sure the sound design of a uh, Ford versus Ferrari is amazing. A lot but of I, racing cars. But yeah. I admit, I admit, cause we, we stay positive on the podcast, but we want to be honest that uh, the darkness creeps in. I got real cranky and I even had to delete a tweet. We're like, really? Cars. They made the sound of cars. And I admit that it's darkness and anger. Yeah. I'm sure the sound uh, editing, the sound design is amazing. I'm yeah. sure it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was bummed because I just think it, it's great in the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And as far as, uh, you know, for, as far as Oscar Isaac, I guess you could just see what you want to see. I did. I just. Yeah. I, I think yeah. he's a cheeky guy. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, there's there's a part of me that like I it's so awesome that actors have mm. a direct relationship with their fans. But the amount of hunting for. Yeah. Are they mad at this person? Are they mad at that person? I, I don't know. It, it, it starts to get a little bit too much of the story behind the story for me. If somebody yeah. wants to come out and make a statement, like, I'm interested in Oscar Isaac saying, yeah. I think that Poe and Finn should have had a relationship and I'm bummed they didn't do it. Great. Right. That's a clear statement. Now Direct. that's interesting to yeah. discuss. Tweets about, did was that a raise of an eyebrow, a diss to JJ? Like, come <laughs> on. Yeah, I saw a lot of it after uh, Game of Thrones Season 8, where, like, especially like Amelia Clark, a lot of people reading into her comments. And, you know, some were, work, like you said, a little more direct or addressed some of the issues. Others were just like, guys, guys, she's tweeting about her dog on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not her opinion about, yeah, Daenerys. So, but it's yeah. interesting. But, but it's funny, because the moment he's up and the moment, you know, he's reading a Star Wars thing, I, I did naturally clued into his face, too. I mean, yeah. We all should clue into Oscar's face. But, you know, I mean, like, I, so I, I understand where it comes from, I yeah, guess. Sometimes. Yeah. And it was great to see uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. 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 And, and, of course, Ryan Johnson. Celebrated his Porg, uh, Porg cufflinks. Cufflinks. Yeah. There was a great picture of an after party of him and Adam Driver sitting together. Ah, nice. So there you go. There's all your theories right there. There you go. So some good good little bits and pieces of Star Wars at the Oscars. Yeah, absolutely. I wish we could celebrate a, a victory for them. But, hey, there's been victories in Star Wars past and maybe more in the future. But now let's get to the future with the news here, the Star Wars news world. You know, a little light this week, which is good. We can concentrate on the stuff that is there. Some of it, uh, you know, the biggest one of all, Joseph, uh, the headline, uh, George Lucas is uh, the executive <laughs> producer of the Cassian Andor series, right? Yeah, he's going to write you know, and direct. He's back. How do you feel about it? <laughs> let's just dive into the conversation. That's uh, not... Look yeah. at the uh, the yeah. source and vet it. No, yeah. let's not. Let's yeah. Not. Um, here's the one thing I'll say. I think in season two of Mandalorian, I think George is hanging around the set, not for any initial, necessary official capacity, but I think he's interested in something like that. This kind of possibility of him coming back in any way, shape, or form, I think is more realistic than I would have ever thought even a year ago. Yeah, and it's Just, exciting yeah. and fun to think of him being involved in Star Wars. Yeah. That discussion is great. But yes, as, as we yeah. have been uh, rambling on about uh, the last couple of weeks, it just seems like there's an acceleration in the uh, unsourced news just immediately getting picked up and spreading like wildfire to uh, the point where with this one, I, you know, I saw it starting like just on Facebook with random yeah. people I know just, hey, posted no checking into the source or the veracity mm -hmm. It's just true. And we're just discussing it on the merits of the headline. And then you get somebody like the uh, journalist Clayton Sandell yeah. <laughs> with his yeah. funny tweet. I'm paraphrasing like <laughs> yeah. I had to embarrass myself by calling actual sources <laughs> so I can confirm there's nothing to this. We start to sound like grumpy, broken records, but 
and I'm not. This isn't. A I'll sp- be a grumpy broken record for truth. Yeah, this isn't a, a, a specific slide against Facebook or that website, but just that seems to where it really happens a lot. Twitter's where things seem to grow like wildfire even faster. Yeah, but on f- Facebook, I saw that a lot of just friends of mine, even podcasts, I know retweeting the story with no comment. So yeah. maybe your thing or retweeting, but reposting, yeah. sharing. So maybe, hey, you're sharing it to go, look how silly it is, or wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool? Is fun a conversation. Fun conversation yeah. we're even good to, could have here and touched on even for two seconds. But that's where I keep coming back and feel the need to bring it up every week on, on Force Center. Just like, and there could be truth. Again, I, I'm telling you, him on George on set in Mandalorian, season one or two, it could spark any kind of rumor. Absolutely. Could absolutely spark some rumor. But to turn it into, even if that is the reason, I'm not saying that's the reason, but to say that's the reason the story gets out there. I don't know. Here we go again. I just think, <laughs> you know, that whatever the, I don't even remember the source, but whoever initially tweeted it yeah. got a lot of retweets. And we're at the point where like, hey, if I wanted to make some clicks, <laughs> I could just be like, you know, mm. Mark Hamill doing one person Broadway show of Luke Skywalker, just mm. put it out there and I would benefit yeah, for blatantly lying. Like we've discussed stories where, like, oh, that source may or may not be correct. Was it mm-hmm. too early to run with that? What? But, mm-hmm. but we're really at the point where there are demonstrable benefits. Yeah, for just straight up lying. The title of this episode will be George Lucas back in Star Wars. <laughs> yes, exclamation <Yes>. point. <laughs> yeah, and that's look, and, and that, that, that's that's the part that that scares me. The Kenobi thing is a great example of when you put it all the parts together of just last few weeks. Where there might have been someone getting a piece of information, the production crew was sent home for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, there's a delay. Ah, it's canceled. And I'm not saying the person running with that canceled version doesn't understand the industry or anything like that. That can come off sometimes condescending on our part. But just the idea of just like, ooh, ooh, and then you you run with it too fast. And it's... It's a tough time, which is why we only report on the things Bob Iger says. That's right. So George Lucas is not back yet. (laughs) Not yet. Bob Iger in attendance at the Oscars. Uh, But he also had his (laughs) IgerCon call, uh, his his, first quarter financial investment, uh, some boring. IgerCon. IgerCon, as Joseph coined it many moons ago. And I'll say not much Star Wars stuff in there, but the only real bit of concrete information we're going to dig into first no surprise, but season two of Mandalorian confirmed for October 2020. We knew the show was coming back. Uh, Favreau's been Instagramming that. But now we have this actual, not date, but month. And again, no surprise, Joseph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were told this by that uh, topless Gamorrean that was retweeted, right. or, or not retweeted, tweeted uh, yeah. and Instagrammed by uh, Favreau. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have an actual date. I'm, I'm honestly thrilled to have it from Iger at IgerCon. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Mandalorian has been kind of this uh, shining light in yeah. in Star Wars right now. It, not only with the fans' really positive reaction to it and some of the new characters and all that, but continuing into this uh, world of how the fans are being given information mm-hmm. of this is not only successful in terms of the content, now it's successful in terms of how the company is relating to us of saying, did you like that? There is more. And here's the date that it's coming right now, the month that it's coming, but that trust that, that they see they have something that the fans are responding to. And that Iger himself is trying to reassure the fans as well as the investors that more is coming. Yeah. And here's when it's coming. We're pumping out merch. Look, 
we're on top. We see that you like this. We're responding to it. Yeah. Uh, I, and the merch thing is because he's been he's addressed that a few, you know, a few times now. Just well, like, and especially yeah. for investors, yeah. just like mm. we like the toys. We uh, we see the money coming into Etsy. We want yeah. <laughs> look, and I like I, I've I've been it here. I just you know I know CEOs and people at the head of corporations. It's, it's sometimes complicated views of them. I, I I just always seem to come down on the side of I just like Uncle Bob. I don't know why. I just so I just love here. I love that he breaks a lot of these news or he's the one and uh, you know that's where the joke began. Where yeah. you, you talk about Igercon, but just I just have this image of him looking around like, oh, Star Wars. Yeah, well, people love the child. I'm going to talk about it today on the call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the question I have of this. Clone Wars, we are so close. And hope you're all listening or catching up on Clone Wars the, with our new show, Clone Wars Report. Uh, we've been uh, taking a look at uh, characters, the main characters of the show, leading up to the return of the show. we got Clone Wars and Mando Season 2. I know we got books and comics, uh, Project Luminous, all those kind of things. But in terms of like big public general public facing kind of things out of star wars this year clone wars and mando season two will be it yeah do you think that's enough to keep everyone happy in 2020 i think it is probably when you put that question uh Mm. out i was like oh yeah uh but Mm. then i think i think it is good because i think there are those of us who are kind of all in on star wars and and would happily take as much content is humanly possible and i think for the rise of Skywalker, not only is it the end of the Skywalker saga, and a lot of people had a lot of different opinions about mm. where it should go, but there does seem to me, even with like the Oscars, yeah, a little bit of like weariness of like great from the general culture of great we we've, we've done the Star Wars, and I think letting it breathe a little bit, uh, just a little bit, mm-hmm. I think might be good for it in the big picture. I agree with you, especially because Disney Plus is not something that everyone has access to yet, we know, still, even yeah. at this time. Or that everyone who does has access has it or even watches it. Yeah. So the fact that it's still this, like, you might hear it down. I hear there's a Star Wars show and people like it. Uh, you know, I have an X, Y, Z opinion of the movies here, you know, from good to bad, whatever it may be. But to have it kind of like, what what's going on? Yeah, what is producing what is all these that? memes? Yeah. <laughs> What's the meme source? I think also the the fact that so much conversation this year, at some point this year, I think we're going to get either news about movie plans yeah. or an announcement of there's going to be even longer mm. before them. But right. I think that the television speculation between Kenobi and Cassian Andor and hopefully getting <laughs> accurate actual news about yeah. either of those. And then I, I think the yeah the i think Iger caused a lot of fans to salivate with his only other like deep star wars comment about looking at spinoffs from the mandalorian yeah how did you take that did you take that as uh bob Iger with uh stars and money in his eyes going that would be awesome if that happened or do you think that was coming from a more knowledgeable creative place of like we're introducing x character in season two or you know we're trying to stay mandalorian free so we won't get specific on on characters uh, for our European friends who haven't watched yet, but yeah. without going into the specifics of who, do you think it's more about money or more about creativity when Iger says that? I think I honestly think something. Uh, I, I think something's in place that could potentially go that might have been, you know, I get, I, I, you know, you, you you and I joked last week about how we hear things sometimes. I, I I'll tell you this: I have heard one thing that I think is pretty solid, but I think they might have been waiting. Okay. In other words, 
do you think uh, the people enjoy uh, Ken and Joseph's Variety Hour about Robotech? We'll see. <laughs> oh, they did. Let's do a spinoff. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that's coming from that part. And, and then but then also, you know, it's not I don't think it's even a cynical view of it just to be like, well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, right. Why wouldn't you want to tell the backstory of uh, one of the characters or the forward story of one of the characters? I almost gave a character away and yeah. I don't want to do that. I know. Uh, I know. Yeah, because there are already a couple of candidates, but there could also yeah. be even more in season two. And I think yeah. th- I think that for those of us who are kind of all in on Star Wars, I think the knowledge of all this television content coming, the tease of any number of these characters could suddenly spin off. Right. I think that having so much to discuss about what's coming next, I think is going to make it not feel yeah. like we're in this uh, sad, empty star Wars Valley. Yeah. And look at it, clone wars. You get a little bit of break. That's where you get some of this news, good or bad, especially if the movie thing is held off a little bit more. And if clone wars, bombed, yeah. yeah. And if clone wars uh, announces, if clone wars is, is directing us toward, yeah the announcement of another animated show as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's not forget I'm at best coming back in a, at a game show capacity, <laughs> but coming back, I mean, that's exciting. Yeah. So we're excited. Like I am more excited for clone wars than I thought I would be. And I'm a fan of the show. Yeah. When it was announced, I went, ah, oh, cool. That's cool. Now I'm like, oh, I can't believe we're going to have new bits of deep canon to dive into. Yeah. Like, I'm excited. So I know it's exciting for us, but like you said, it's a good, maybe built in break and we'll see. And we'll wait for your next call. Uncle Bob. Uh, this one. All right. So this is a story that's not much of a story, <laughs> but hey, that's what it, and I think it's, it's an interesting conversation starter. Uh, one sentence, one sentence from Joe Russo is all we need to get a clue into Kevin Feige's take on a Star Wars movie being a little bit facetious, of course. But in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter, Joe Russo of the Russo Brothers, director of all your favorite MCU films, except for Ant-Man, said, uh, Star Wars is Kevin, as in Feige, Kevin's first and true love. He's a man who has a very, very large basement filled with enough Star Wars paraphernalia to fill a museum. And then this is the sentence that I'm referring to. Whatever he does... Whatever he does with it is going to be passionate, emotional, and unique. Mm. Think pieces began out of that. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I do want to go into this a little bit. I, I am as curious as any cat out there about what Feige's going to do yeah. in Star Wars, either in one movie or even if the rumors of long-term uh, influence on Star Wars. Either one. Uh, so I want to start with, with this, Joseph. What do you make of, of this really being not the first time we've heard this, but Star Wars being Feige's first all-caps love? just makes sense i think in a way that you and i can attest to it's the uh same thing with uh favreau and even john kasdan and a bunch of other people who are generally of the age to have been alive during the original trilogy or or very recently uh after that that was a specific unique time where i think your imagination was affected by star wars in a specific way simply because of the cultural landscape because yeah. you didn't have uh, you, it's not like you got home from star wars and then you could pick from your eight other streaming services yeah. what other fantasy science fiction superhero genre it was one of the things where your imagination uh landed yeah. you, you got you, you, star wars infiltrated your mind and then i think specifically to this basement comment mm. then you bought toys and you continued the adventure in your mind yeah and i think there's a very specific not better or worse just a specific mindset that really came out in mandalorian of Mm -hmm. i want to play with my action figures right and i'm 
curious to see how that would translate uh, for somebody like Feige, if it would come off similar to Mandalorian or if it would come off of like Feige's been dreaming of an, a Star Wars action figure adventure since he was a kid. Right. But he dreamed of an entirely different one. Mm. If was all about the cantina, was he all yeah. about, you know, what, how, how does Leia run the rebellion? What's Mon Mothma's right. deal? How did right. general, like, who knows, who knows what fired his imagination and what that leads him toward? Yeah. Uh, you're making me, I'm typing while you're talking because, um, I, this just now comes down to trying to predict, uh, what he, I'm trying to get Feige is not as old as you'd think, or he's younger than you think, depending on he's his like, hat. What he, he's 46. Okay. 46, which to me puts Favreau is in his early fifties. So Favreau is going to be inspired by new hope more than this. Maybe Feige, like, like, like me, my first real big experience yeah. was return of the Jedi. Feige is a return of the Jedi. Baby. Yeah. Or he might be more empire actually might be more. Synced oh, up. Yeah. Um, I think you and I are kind of in between, you know, you were just, you always talk about, you were just, just old enough to hate the Ewoks early on. I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, putting some words in your mind. So that's, so now my mind starts spinning off. He's listening to you talk. I'm like, you definitely get the sense of Favreau's like that cantina. I was on the playground at my elementary school and that got me. Yeah. I was on the playground at my elementary school, jumping into the Sarlacc pit. So I would maybe spin off that way, you know, maybe for him, it's Cloud City. I don't yeah, know. yeah, I mean, and, and that's where the whole the hate Ewok thing, which I don't know. Don't at me. I'm happy with the Murder Bears. Uh, I've been wearing my I Heart Murder Bears uh, T-shirt out and about uh, this week. Uh, <laughs> I saw it on Riley's Cantina last week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, but the uh, Empire was my first big, big, big uh, love. So I had years to speculate yeah, and, and discuss how speculation changes uh, your attitude towards things. But I, I think more than anything, it is that he's literally got that basement full of yeah. what's got when, when Joe Russo says the memorabilia, I, I hear toys. Yes. And in the toys for somebody who went into the creative business. Yeah. The toys were basically like, Hey, you can't see Empire Strikes Back again this week. So here's a dig of a playset. Uh, write a spec script, kid, yeah. in your head. Yeah, that's what the action figures were. And so how that translate might translate to screen for Feige. Mm. How somebody captures that feeling in an yeah. age where where people don't play with toys in the same way. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? And this. I want to focus on, uh, on one word in the sentence now. Now we're, down, now we're just down to one word. <laughs> one Russo, one sentence. One, one Russo, word. one sentence. When he uses the word unique, my immediate thought was, okay, that's awesome. What is unique to the world of Star Wars? What does unique mean to Star Wars when you're putting together a film? Uh, I don't currently have that pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you take that word to mean in Star Wars? Or what could it mean in Star Wars? In Star Wars, I think it means from which whatever your first exposure to star Wars was mm. drilling down to the ingredients that spoke to you. I think that star Wars does feel really unique and everybody has that opinion of what does feel like right. star Wars to them. Right. And I think it's a part of its magic. I know I have my list of ingredients of what makes it feel unique mm. and special to me. Uh, you yeah. know, I'll go back to our, uh, tortured various food analogies and go back to the, uh, the old pizza one that yeah. star Wars is like pizza. The vast majority of people encountered are like, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. But then you get down to putting on the toppings and then people are like, 
pineapple is not an essential <laughs> ingredient of Star Wars. What's wrong with you? And other people are like, no, it has to have pineapple. That's that's Star Wars. And I, I think that's what's interesting is I think you could get many people to agree that Star Wars is unique. Yeah. But for Feige, what ingredients make it unique? And on top of that, from somebody who is old enough to be old school, to be original trilogy toys. Yeah. What? of the uniqueness at this point has been examined and re-examined to the right. point where it doesn't feel unique anymore. That's it, a great point. Where Mandalorian is really succeeding because you can feel that I want to play in the cantina forever yeah. and it, it feels different. Mm. But some of what I think is absolutely essential to star Wars and I have brainstormed on, Oh man, if, if I got, if I got to do it, what would yeah. it be? You, you, even if you say this element is essential, this is an essential agreement that the Star Wars pizza must have pineapple. Mm. I'm still asking, but how would you season the pineapple? <laughs> because you have, you have to approach it right differently. So it still feels is alive to you when you were a child yeah. to the people seeing it again. And that's, that's been the battle of the sequels. First of all, I love Canadian bacon and pineapple <laughs> on pizza. Does that mean yes. is that the equivalent of loving the Last Jedi in Star Wars? I think or, so. Okay, do you stay? You're a pizza ex, you're a pizza expert. <laughs> I don't know. What, a, you're frozen pizza. I, expert. I enjoy eating it. So <laughs> I sh- I shan't you, describe myself as an expert. Uh, I, I, I don't know where you stand on Canadian bacon. And uh, pineapple. Canadian bacon and pineapple oh, is great. I think okay. that is the return of the Jedi pizza oh, because that's it's, uh, the pineapple is uh, very uh, organic and flowing, and then uh, the Canadian bacon reminds you that the Ewoks <laughs> eat people. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, that's great. And, and, you know, in terms of just what it actually could be on screen, it's like, yeah, you, you know, you, you, it, it's hard to go down too far down the path where we know as fans, because, you know, you do, you do get questioned, you know, well, what is that? Is that star Wars? I have those questions of even something with this project luminous, if it's the high Republic stuff, even I, in my head, I'm like, okay, okay. I think I'm ready for this. I'm yeah. ready to not hear the name, uh, Skywalker and I'm just Luke Anakin or otherwise. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. So. I love my war over the lore, right? Give me some fighting, but it's not going to be on the big galactic Civil War scale. So unique in just that surface level thing yeah. comes in. But then to make it personal and how do you – I think you're real speaking some truths on what it might mean to fight. Yeah. I, I love uh, Resistance. In Resistance, the Star Wars animated show Resistance, Yeah, uh, it's real light on the Force. Yeah. And I miss it. It, mm. it doesn't make yeah. me feel like oh, the Resistance is bad, but like I'm aware <laughs> – for myself as a fan of everyone's yeah. while going, it just still feel like star Wars because for me, it's not emphasizing that ingredient. Yeah. You know, I continue to just think that if, if you want to get anything from Feige's role in MCU, he did a great job of adapting those characters to screen while mm-hmm. also, I think really insisting that everybody find what is the heart of captain America? Why did anybody ever like Captain America or Iron Man or Hulk or Scarlet Witch to begin with? Right. And let's let's find the heart of these characters. So yeah. th- that's an interesting perspective for him to be taken on Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, and that's and that's the, one of the famous stories. True or not, you hear Feige. Uh, I think it was during the X Men phase. We've uh, we've probably mentioned here before, but if of them trying to figure out the story and him kind of pointing to a comic book going, everything we need is right in here. That's like the, one of those urban myth legend stories that's get past, but I've, you heard that about Feige for years now. Yeah. 
And if that is true on, e- on any level, and by looking at MCU, you'd think it is, uh, I am excited for that to be in Star Yeah, Wars. yeah. All right. Well, we'll know when another sentence comes out of a Russo's mouth. <laughs> Final story of the day. Uh, you know, I always think, hey, we got a little less to talk about, but we love diving into things, don't we here? Hey, book two of Alphabet Squadron, Shadowfall. Um, Alexander Freed is, uh, is, we know it's coming out June 23rd, 2020 now. And it uh, has a cover and a little excerpt here. And it f- uh, features, so the first cover uh, basically mostly was Yerika Quell. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is Chaz Na Sharek, who is the rock and roll <laughs> music loving <laughs> pilot. Uh, it looks great. A little purple, a purplish hue where the first book is kind of a yellow goldish hue. Uh, I, I really, we, we both love this book. We yeah. did a review. We love this series. I think Freed's a great writer. This, I, I, I was on board. Man. This cover's a win for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was surprised by how much I, I having already enjoyed Alexander Freed's work. Uh, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed, uh, mm-hmm. the first Alphabet Squadron book. Did you read the excerpt? So I, I always consider those slight spoilers. I did poke through it. I did okay. poke through it enough. I don't know if I have super notes about it, but I did poke through, so we can discuss. Yeah, yeah. I got real excited by yeah because I I love the book. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to all the books, uh, but it, it hasn't been in my mind a lot. But when I read that excerpt, I got really excited. Nice because of the nature of it, because it's got. Uh, I won't go into super spoilers, but it's uh, you know it, it, that Sentinel. Mm. The Emperor Sentinel, the haunting one, the haunting one, haunting which one. was one of the things you and I both loved about that oh, yeah. first book, is continues to be there and press on the this idea of the Empire that a lot of the Empire mm. thought that the Empire is about military might and technology and strategy. Only very few people were aware that there's this whole other side that's mm. weird, dark cult religious mystical stuff and the fact that this book was still playing around with this you talk about ingredients in star wars i've always i've wanted to race and and fly around in an x-wing since i was a kid but you know i haven't all i haven't been all in on uh they're they're just you know non-force using people flying around ships right the fact that this is getting in that is telling those stories of people who are you know uh fighter pilots who are in the military who have that experience, but it's also getting into some of those tensions of without even force users being presence present, their effects are lingering on everybody, uh, which was in the first book in this excerpt emphasizing it. Mm -hmm. It makes me really excited for all of the flavors that are in this uh, book series. And a good, healthy uh, dose of Harris Adula's name. Yeah. You know, I like that a lot there. A good spice. Like that spice. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've been thinking that kind of answers what our expectations are of the series going forward. Uh, uh, dealing with this, I was going to say boots on the ground, but uh, uh, hands in the air. <laughs> boots uh, in space. Boots in space. But the slow, if it's got some kind of slow unveiling of some of the things behind it, that's really fascinating to me. Yeah. They can, you know, that's that's that old drive. Because, yeah, it was one of the most memorable parts of that book. Yeah, so have it back in, in any way, shape, or form is exciting to me. And and the you know you 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 talk about war versus lore. Yeah. Some great stuff about war too, and about uh, well, yep. okay, we don't really have a specific <laughs> yeah. war, war to yeah. fight, but we need to do something. Is <laughs> that's powerful. 
And I'll tell you what, I don't have any expectations for it, but the fact that as these books continue to be written post nine and post Mandalorian stuff or any characters, plot mm-hmm. elements and everything. Yeah. Will we ever see some crossover? I don't know. I don't expect it, but it, it'd be curious. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say the characters' names and stuff that we've familiar oh, with yeah. in Mandalorian, but oh. who, knows? who Ooh, knows? Oh, very exciting. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> excited. The book will be out, like I said. June 23rd, 2020. So before we take a quick break and dive into our main topic, which again will be the justice for the Jedi, we are going to do our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And we are going to recommend something that relates to our main topic. It is Justice for the Jedi, our main topic. So a good Jedi book, if you like the lore and the Force, is Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Absolutely. We love that one here. It's got one of our favorite Qui-Gon lines, right? I go to the light because it's there. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Uh, download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. And now we'll take a quick break. And on the other side, gather around, Jedi. We're going to get you some justice. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And we're back here on Force Center. This is the main part of the main show. This is where we dig in deep to a topic. You know, we don't encourage you to take notes, but sometimes, yeah, maybe you want to. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to uh, push Joseph towards a uh, uh, Star Wars college class. Yeah. Uh, we can get you in and teach. It'd be fun. Uh, go around the nation. <laughs> go around the nation. Absolutely. I had so many uh, eccentric <laughs> college professors that I yeah. enjoyed. I would love to be able to be an eccentric Star Wars professor. It'd be great. And I'll be the teacher's assistant who hands out the pencils. Hey, enough of that. So <laughs> we got a great topic today, like I said, uh, at the other side of, of, of the break. I was excited about, and I know Joseph is too. Uh, you really uh, wanted to talk about this. I'm curious to see if we're on on the same page as why works. Interesting, I interesting. I think we are. Think we are. Uh, in terms of where we're going to end up, or what exactly we're talking not, about not like here today. Uh, not not a, not difference of opinions, but just like what brings us to excitement for this. Oh, got it, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah. So we were talking justice uh, for the Jedi, and you. Uh, I'm so curious to see what your thoughts are going to be mm-hmm. when I. The reason I wanted to talk about it is because I saw some various discussions on social media, some of them friendly, some of them not so friendly, about what the Rise of Resistance had to say about the Jedi and where the Jedi were left at the end of the Skywalker saga. Okay. Uh, so I was like, hey, let's talk about that. Okay. And as often happens then when I sit down to take the notes, make yeah. the notes and, and, and think about what we're going to talk about, it's like, well, if we want to talk about Rise of Skywalker, we're going to have to start in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a little bit of, of what I wanted to talk about. Not only what is the story of the Jedi, and if you put on your film analysis hat, what do you feel the Rise of Skywalker is saying, but also, because mm. uh, I think it's so key, what do we feel as fans yeah. about the Jedi? So I wanted to start back in the day, back in the original trilogy, when the entire world was introduced to the concept. Mm. So uh, let's start with that. When there was only the original trilogy, for you, uh, because we were of the age to, to live with the original trilogy for a while. Mm. What did you think of the Jedi? I really thought they were the representation of pure good knights in space. I took that quite literally as George intended with the laser swords. Uh, and, and I guess one dimensional in a way, and I'm too young to really uh, back then to be like, they one dimensional, but just like pure, <laughs> pure goodness. Yeah. Pure goodness, and that's what I took Obi-Wan as, and that's what I took Luke as, uh, and the choice to just be good. Then, you know, but also they fight, and they kill bad guys, and they do things, and, and, and all the, the, the wonderful layers that come later just were not present there. I just took it as, have sword, will travel to face evil. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll fight, we'll kick ass. Yeah. When necessary. And yeah. then we get into more complexities of what is when necessary for <laughs> exactly. Jedi ass kicking. No, I think I was uh, the same. And I think it is reflective of, of seeing them yeah. as kids. But also it is reflective of the very first, if you start with a new hope that you hear about the Jedi is mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi being wistful about this right. noble, wonderful thing that was lost. Yeah. That before the dark times, 
they're a Jedi, which, mm. you know, does make you think heroes. He describes them as, of, as guardians of, of peace and justice. Yeah. So you get the impression that they're wise and noble. And, you know, and then you, you go to Empire and you learn a lot more of the philosophy behind it from actually seeing Yoda yep. uh, and teaching Luke. And then to go to that question, the original trilogy of who they are, the huge uh, idea of pacifism of will Luke be able to be victorious if he's not willing to straight up kill his father. Right. And you, I mean, you're talking about like seeing them as knights in space and different stories choose yeah. to take a responsibility or choose to engage with that idea of is a hero, somebody who kills the bad guys. Yeah. And it was, especially in the eighties when you had a lot of muscle bound right. dudes were like, he's a hero. Mm-hmm. He went to a different country or planet and slaughtered everyone there. Yeah. He's a hero. Mm-hmm. So that was in the original trilogy. I think a definitely a discussion and a reframing of the Jedi of, Hey, no, we meant guardians of peace and justice, that. not just ass kickers who kill all evil. It would be as if Rocky Balboa went to Ivan Drago and said, let's just hug, man. <laughs> let's just hug. Let's just hug. Yeah. But it's important to note that you talk about 83, talking about as a young kid. Yeah. I, Rocky four is my favorite Rocky for, you know, growing up because yeah. Rocky won. Yeah. Great. Uh, the Oscar nominated one, whatever I want America, Russia. <laughs> and I, you know, I was Russian, you know, so to have Luke in contrast to that is interesting. But because of that, I just, from my young brain at the time, I didn't recognize him throwing down that blade for what it meant. Yeah. I recognized, well, it's his dad. He's going to save, you know, it's like, he's going to fight, fight. He's going to fight the emperor, but the emperor got the draw on him with the light, the light. Yeah. You know, and so as a kid, I had a different view of it. But you recognized just uh, from an emotional level of the I'm going to choose not to kill my dad because the bad guy clearly wants me to do that. Right? Yes. I so have, you didn't have to intellectualize it, but you still experienced it emotionally. Yeah, totally. The, the, the great shot of the hand. Right. Even right. as a kid, you're like, "Ooh, that's like it's just like him. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to be like the bad parts yeah. of his dad. But I really think I think it wasn't until a few years later and into maybe even the early 90s high school range where you for me, it was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he made this choice. He made this choice to be like the Jedi. That's why he says, I am a Jedi, like my father before. Whereas a kid, again, I, I literally thought it was like he threw the lightsaber away, was not going to strike down his father, but might have been ready to fight the Emperor. Yeah. And the Emperor just got the draw on him. And, and that's that, my perspective as a seven, eight, nine year Yeah. You know, because the Jedi, they fight. They're good guys. They're knights. Yeah. No knight would put down his weapon in my young brain. <laughs> you know? So in your young brain, did you want to be a Jedi? Yeah, I think in in the Han Solo being my favorite Star Wars character makes it a little different, you know, but I definitely was obsessed with even just capes, cloaks, yeah. and the ability to have force, <laughs> uh, force-like powers. Yeah. yeah. But well, I, I definitely was drawn to more Han stuff as a kid, but yeah. Yeah, 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 growing up in the 80s, who wouldn't want to flippity-doo around and save people? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the the, the thing that I'm interested in, and, and sometimes your kid brain can separate it or not, but I think if you ask anybody, like, did you want a lightsaber? Do you want to be able to move things with your mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost a different question. Like, but do you want to be a Jedi? Because right. remember when Yoda said all those things about what it means to be a Jedi? Yes. <laughs> do yeah. you want to actually be? Uh, but you did still grow up with the uh, heroic view of them in that if somebody were to call you a Jedi, Mm -hmm. that would be a compliment, right? Absolutely. Also grew up the idea of during a part, part of my fandom, probably again during high school and going to the early college where I was, would say I was bored by Luke, right? Um, 
wouldn't say that now, but then I would, I would, I would be saying that in conversation. Because he was just the good guy. It's just the good guy, man. <laughs> uh, you know, we Vader, Cobra Commander, Megatron. These are the interesting characters. Skeletor is <laughs> the nuanced character, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. the Skywalker. Yeah. And that changed too for me as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I always wanted to be a Jedi, certainly from a kid, from the relating to Luke and the the lightsaber being this symbol of power, but also a symbol of yeah. nobility. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I remember growing up feeling like Yoda was talking to me when there's, it was like, mm-hmm. you don't crave excitement and adventure. It's not about swinging around and, and, in cutting people be like, you were bad. I get to cut you apart. That's not the point. The point is this deeper Mm -hmm. philosophy. And I don't think I understood that deeper philosophy as a kid, but I understood that it was something to aspire to. Right. I just plain missed it because Luke was climbing up vines and (laughs) somersaulting and flipping around with Yoda. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Yoda, whatever. I want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) I want to do the flippies. Yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, I've talked about a couple of times in my life where sort of force philosophy, uh, came into my life. But uh, in particular, that idea of being a Jedi, uh, when I was working at Kinko's IDS in downtown Minneapolis, stressful job. Mm -hmm. Uh, My manager was a big fan of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. We had one employee who just who was by the book Mm -hmm. and didn't want to stay late or do something a little crazy in order to get things done. Right. And I, my manager was mad once and I said, always with him, it cannot be done. <laughs> and my manager like, what? Uh, I think that's when I discovered he was super into Star Wars. And he latched onto this whole philosophy for Kinko's <laughs> that people who are, who are willing to mm. sort of go the extra mile or yeah. challenge themselves or find a creative solution mm. or to just, uh, it, it wasn't a creepy corporate thing of like, I'm going to get more money right, out of right. my employees. It was, right. When you're presented with a problem, do you just say, it's not my responsibility and wipe it under the rug? Or do you go, I don't know how to solve this, but I'm going to figure out a way. Mm -hmm. I think that was like my first uh, adult sort of attaching the idea of being a Jedi is truly an aspirational thing that you would want to be Mm -hmm. a Jedi. I like that. And this all happened just like moments before the prequels came out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is, uh, uh, of course, uh, when our, uh, where our conversation is going. Uh, you already a- answered this, but I did want to ask you, in the original trilogy, before the uh, prequels even came out, Obi-Wan does admit he, he failed. Mm. He, you know, like, I thought I could teach him as well as Yoda. I was wrong about mm. Vader. Did that register with you at any point as an admission of failure from Obi-Wan personally or from the Jedi in general, I think I took it as Obi Wan personally. Um, obviously, by this at the point, we're not aware of Qui Gon or anyone else. I've, I, I'll I'll tell you, I, I, I go from a real just uh, the, the point of view on it is I always felt very sad for Obi Wan in that moment. Alginus is so good in those moments. Yeah, we always talk about he creates little beats in his sentences that you can fill entire stories with, and and that was one of those like I felt for him because yeah. I because I'm I'm in there with him saying he was a friend. You know, I'm in there with saying I thought I could do it and. And so I always felt a little more sorry and just kind of felt sad about Obi-Wan's position uh, versus 
the failure of the Jedi, failure of the teaching, failure of the system. That, that kind of stuff can come later. But that, as a, even as a young kid, I just I loved Obi Wan in that moment. Yeah, all of them because he just felt sad. Yeah, he felt sad. He felt like he truly lost something. But I, I had been really been thinking about. He admits that he made some mistakes. He takes yeah. some culpability. Mm-hmm. Again, you can probably read it as more individual than uh, systemic. Yeah. But then with the benefit of the prequels, it's interesting to look back at the original trilogy and go like, well, Obi-Wan actually did say mea culpa. I I screwed up, man. Uh, Yeah. So going forward uh, and backward to the prequels, what did you think of the Jedi in the prequels when you first saw them? Did, Did you like them? Did the realism take away from the fantasy? What were all your thoughts? So overall, I really do love the Jedi and the prequels and did. I'm trying to go, with all these questions, go back to the moment, back to the original film. So I love, even jumping ahead to the Attack of the Clones trailer, um, like Billy Patterson and I did that Star Wars ranked on our favorite trailer things. That was the Jedi being surrounded by the clone, or surrounded by the droids. It's still one of my all-time favorite things because as a kid I was like dreaming about what, what would a hundred Jedi in a war be like? Yeah. So the prequels delivered a lot of that for me, but this is where between one and two, you know, this is a, you know, I w- wouldn't be as positively negative as we talk about here in Force <laughs> Center, but also just having fun. And this is, this is part of it. I, having fun crawling around in the world between one and two is when I really started to focus and double down on the idea of Jedis are kind of the big jerks in the galaxy. <laughs> I get in an argument with my friend Paul as we're waiting to go and attack the clones. And I, I've told her before, if Obi-Wan just likes to drink and then they go in the Outlander Club and I'm like, I see, I told you. <laughs> Forming this real big view, which only means to me I was picking up on what George was probably dropping. Yeah. And the treatment of Anakin as a kid. You know, cult, sir, that scene resonates of just like, man, what? That's Mason, cool, right? Yoda, are, they're not like warming him warming him up, literally and figuratively. They're not like, come on, here's the snacks. Here's your, you know, you're on the team. So it threw me for a loop. Right, because it's not like yeah. Obi-Wan says in A New Hope, uh, we're the guardians of peace and justice. Right. If we sensed a child was thinking about their mother too much, <laughs> we no. Would, we would mock them or <laughs> remind them, them we, out. They know. can't hide anything from us, child. We know you miss your mother. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I think it was a gear shift for people mm-hmm. who had grown up. Yeah, so, with, and so which means I really, so I, I really love it, but that's where a lot of, in my own mind, I was like, well, I don't know about them. <laughs> but you still enjoyed them seeing them yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. and seeing the power of, oh, we, we get to see Obi-Wan a little bit. We get to see Yoda a little bit. We get to see Luke as a fully fledged Jedi and yeah. in Return of the Jedi. Uh, but this now is like all of the Jedi in their prime before yeah. the dark times. There's some thoughts and I'll just say it. Sometimes it's sometimes it's used for bad criticism of the prequels where you know, in, in the original trilogy, you, you had one or two lightsabers and one or two lightsaber fight. And Jedis were myth and legend. You didn't get a full plate of them to eat. And in the prequels, well, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. And the mystique was gone. I never bought into that because I grew up wanting to see this because it was something real in this world. Yes. So I I, I really think I, I, I enjoy that from beginning to end. Yeah. Always just seeing them. Yeah. And I think I definitely had the shock of like, whoa, wow, Yoda and Mace Windu and, and right. you know, uh, Weird Brainhead, <laughs> who I now know, Kiyadi Mundi, uh, are all being mean yep. to Anakin Skywalker. Right. I think I had that gut reaction, but I also just had that thrill of, ooh, 
I had thought they were more nomadic, yeah. but they're this organized system. They have mm-hmm. all these beliefs, but in, in, and I engage with it on that level. But just that gut level fascination of mm-hmm. they are the Jedi. They wear the robes. They have the power of the lightsaber. And I remember in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones when... Like there was that video game for the PlayStation one Jedi power battles. And it was Mm -hmm. before Lucas had decided lightsabers were blue and green. Yeah. You know, and then he had all sorts of different colored lightsabers and you could play as the different Jedi and like just that thrill of the diversity of Jedi of they're all different shapes and sizes and species and attitudes. And like that was thrilling. It did not limit them to me. Yeah. It made it more exciting to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think diving a little bit into their presentation, I think in the original trilogy, they are this aspiration. They're the sense of loss of what had been. Mm -hmm. There's this aspiration of what Luke could be. Yeah. And then in the prequels, we get this sort of reality dump that some people will always be upset that that fantasy of them was taken away. Mm -hmm. But I think the more I sit with it, what makes them really valuable and interesting is dealing with the reality of like, it is still an awesome fantasy because yeah. there's still monks with laser swords who can move things with their minds. Yeah. Then we meet them in the prequels and they're like, we have many rules. Yeah. We have business meetings. We have <laughs> assignments that are not about adventure excitement or kicking ass. They're about sitting down at a table and getting, you know, a trade federation to pay some more taxes. Yep. And I get all the jokes, how, how you could say like that totally robs them of the fantasy. But to me, mm. it enriches what we're talking about, the legacy of the Jedi, yeah. because now they can't just get away with anything. They're yeah. not just fantasy characters who are always correct and right. They right. have to wrestle with reality. Mm. They have to take responsibility for their power. You know, it, there's, it's... If you ever met anyone who's worked for the CIA, and a lot day, ninety eight percent of it is me sitting at a desk with Excel sheets. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> is what it is, and it isn't a, a Harrison Ford clear and present danger movie. You know, like so I did enjoy the library, like the library. Uh, Jocasta knew becoming a, a fun reference and a joke for some people. And it's still fun. I, you still to this day, I'm sure people listening run into a person who's like, there was a librarian Jedi? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't there be? She's awesome. Why wouldn't there be? And why would? And so to see it all on display, I like, I have no, I, I am not a, uh, prequels can be done wrong. I'm not just talking about stories, but yes, I do believe sometimes you can go too far back and, and hey, the, the side character in a movie we love, let's get their whole backstory. It might not work all the time, but in Star Wars, to see it full, fully on the display, you talk about the realism making it just adding to even the victory of their choices in the, in the prequels or, or in the original trilogy with Luke returning to the glory of what that could be. I like it on display. Yeah. I like the realism. Yeah. So we talk a lot about the failures of the Jedi, and I think it's pretty fair to say it is Lucas's intention in the prequels to show us this noble organization that has faltered and makes mistakes. But for you now, having spent years thinking and talking about Star Wars, what are the actual failures that are depicted in the prequels? And even, you know, we can bundle up the Clone Wars animated series with it, but those prequel era Jedi what were their actual failures? So trying to trying to run down a laundry list here, which <laughs> may be the wrong or, or right way to approach it, but 
so to me, the so there's the prophecy of the chosen one that hangs over Anakin and the balance. Uh, so I get that that might be a, a bigger issue. Uh, or Qui-Gon, who, by the way, doesn't always follow our rules, says he found the chosen one. <laughs> okay. But the, the, what we talked about, the, the, the lack of warmth towards this kid, treating him like property almost, uh, an asset, or do we want a, or a liability? I think is an example of what the overall might have been going on there, that the, the, the system just kind of rolled, chugged on down the line to where that lost some of their humanity, which I think leads to, you know, you, you got some stuff coming up about what, what actually made them do it, but, but, but the, this complacency of, of, of their place in the galaxy. Yeah. Um, the quick kind of the, the emergence of Maul should have been more of a trigger to me. And this is just now just, Second guessing them, they're off. They're lost in this. Like, well, is it the master or the apprentice? Go figure it out. <laughs> Go figure it out. <laughs> yeah, trust Qui Gon, man. So I'm looking at that, and then the involvement in 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 the war. Which again, even when the Clone Wars series started, I think my growth and understanding of Star Wars has grown tremendously since 2010, 2011 range, right? Because large part. Of it was the Clone Wars. Yeah. Duchess of T, we get uh, Padme, Ahsoka, liking, making you look at the Jedi in a different way. I never once questioned in Revenge of the Sith, 2005, that the Jedi were generals. Yeah. Never once questioned it. Should have. Because if you tracked, if you followed it, they're, wait, they're leading armies? They're guardians of peace. Yeah. Just, Yoda's hey, not psyched about it at the end of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, they're, right? they're guarding... So it's easy to be like, well, they're guarding the right side. They're guarding peace and justice. But the fact that they would take rank. So I love that in Clone Wars, George is like, this is this is a mistake. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. And tracks back to Qui-Gon saying, I cannot fight a war for you. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting that we would miss that. <laughs> Dude, you miss that in, 20, in 2002. Yeah. Qui-Gon says in 99, 2002, fight, fight, fight. And you're missing it. Yeah. So I think those are just some of the actual mistakes. There's probably more, obviously, but <laughs> I think that's know? great. Yeah, I think the uh, I think there's a lot of storytelling, and in, in they've started with like books like Master and Apprentice about how seriously do they take the prophecy of the Chosen One. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the bits of threads of story when it comes to okay, Maul was a Sith. We were initially cocky that he couldn't return, but now now we believe he did. Was he a master or the apprentice and what are we going to do about it do you you get to like when dooku is trying to manipulate obi-wan and yoda kind of writes it off as like well that's his way now lies and deception so is it like hey sith we're not going to play your game we're not going to let you uh fill us with paranoia so we are Mm -hmm. you know mind invading everyone we (laughs) suspect every politician that doesn't vote a way that we agree with we're going to you know follow Mm -hmm. you and and invade your mind and figure out if you're a sith lord like Is it is that the right decision, the noble decision for them to go, we'll just wait, and when the Sith show their hand, we'll react? Or, like you saying, yeah. should they have been more proactive in saying, if our if our job is to stand up to the darkness and make sure it doesn't grow too much, do we have a, a responsibility to go proactively look for it? That's a that, see. That's a great point because I, I think they're 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 right from a certain point of view on both sides, right? If right. they if they let's go meet it out, but hey, that's not what we do. And I love what you're saying because that's very Qui Gon and Maul. Qui Gon's going to get down on his knees, be in the Force, be able to feel the, what's ne- yep, necessary, just be peaceful about it. It's just this is not. I'm going to yeah. defeat you because you need to be stopped, not because yeah. I want you to die. It's just yeah. I think I'm coupling it with 
you know, what is it, Chiari Mundi, you know, saying about Dooku, he's a political idealist. Yeah. So they, they're so stuck in some kind of thought process that they couldn't see that. Right. And, right. I, and I totally realized you got Palpatine probably manipulating Manip- something. You know, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's still definitely errors there. And I think yeah. that to, for me, the, the Jedi choice of when it is wise to not engage and when it is a responsibility, you have the power, you must engage is yeah. the, the defining choice that comes up again and again. Yes. Uh, for me, a couple of their other, I think straight up flaws, um, Mm. Uh, overly aligning themselves to the government seems mm. to this gets developed more in, in books and clone yep. wars, but feeling like they are kind of in lockstep. Totally. And it's again, from this noble perspective of like, well, Jedi don't seek power. So we, we just want to go along with the government and say, you know, we're never going to make a decision for the government because we don't seek power. We just follow mm-hmm. our own beliefs. But yeah. then that is a chink in their armor that gets manipulated. I think uh, a huge one is their attitude toward attachment. And it's to me yep. explains the coldness to mm-hmm. Anakin of like, okay, on one side, they are exactly correct. Yeah. Anakin is too old for their traditional training and fears losing his mother. And that is a path to the dark side. They are dead on correct, but they don't right. ever look at the other side of it of, but attachment can also be a strength. Mm-hmm. It's our belief in the force that we're all connected. So reaching out in general in empathy is is good and they're so concerned more with their idea of like that's the path into the dark side Mm -hmm. so we're going to be so firm on that that we don't look at even the possibility of the strengths of attachment Mm. and times where we are being dumb right cold and cruel because we are so concerned about following that specific identified path to the dark side does any of that to you connect with ray telling luke no 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 you failed kyla because you 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 thought the choice was already made like that kind of thing to me of just like they kind of might have thought back oh 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 oh, nope this little uh, solanica kick because we know they're not wrong right right we know we have the benefit of watching (laughs) but in that moment they're not necessarily wrong but how they approached it how they approached it yeah yeah yeah, giving it a little giving a little more free will to this kid letting it figure out uh you know i don't know i just i just see some of those connective threads no i i totally agree i think it comes up again and again like that that there there's the choices of actions but there's also the choices of intent and like what happened between luke and kylo is what happened but Right. Who intended what and how do you interpret it and all those things? And we, and we keep talking here a lot about the uh, force in our general, just, you know, destiny is, to, is is about getting you to that choice point of choice. Yeah. Not the end of the journey. Yeah. And then uh, I will also agree with you for failures. The war. The war. The war. But I, that oh. one is really fascinating to me because Yoda clearly is not happy about it. No. Feels yeah. like it is probably some manipulation mm-hmm. of the dark side. I don't think he really realizes it's a literal manipulation, but he, right. he realizes that war is beneficial to the dark side because it's going to spread mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. The shadow of the dark shadow of the dark side has fallen. Yeah. And this is one where I really, it is Palpatine's manipulation, but I really love it because in terms of reality, it makes you question if you say, the Jedi, the light side is for defense. Mm-hmm. What do you do in a situation where you can't determine whether your actions are aggression that is simply going to spur mm-hmm. more aggression? And when is it defense? Yeah. Because if, if Dooku has successfully riled up the separatists to the mm-hmm. point where they are, as the yeah. opening crawl tells us, mm-hmm. attacking the rebellion or the, the, mm-hmm. um, the, the Republic. Republic, yeah. 
my ages of ours get confused. <laughs> uh, if, if the separatists are attacking the Republic, you can see some Jedi in the council go, well, hmm. I guess then leading the clones to stop further violence is a form of defense. Yeah. Where in hindsight, once you know it's a manipulation, and yeah. once you know the Jedi are losing their connection to the light side through constant violence, right? And the the wars are just expanding more wars, and you know we get things like Padme mm-hmm. and Bail trying yeah. to find peace initiatives in the, in the Clone Wars. Like that to me emerges as their their great mistake that they could find a way to identify that war as defense, mm-hmm. and in reality, it, it never was. This is fascinating stuff. You're making me think some stuff here. I'm not necessarily saying I'm fully right in thinking this, but it also goes in some headcanon errors. So the end of Attack of the Clones, the, the, the famous Bail Organa fist yeah. bump off, you know, fist bump of <laughs> dis- d- disappointment yeah. uh, on the uh, thing there. Um, as they watch the Star Cruisers take off, I've got to assume that there's already some Jedi on those Star Cruisers. I've got to assume something's going on. I, I almost want to see a moment of, of what is the discussion on even the High Jedi Council or just on the, on the, on the ground in the temple of, of what you just said, like is Depa Balaba and, uh, you know, uh, Cordova, Master Cordova from, uh, the Fallen Order going, yeah. we should not get involved. We should not get involved. And who's saying, look, we need to because maybe we can, much like we touched on the clone report of Anakin going, you know, I, I, I can go down the path of the dark side to, to defeat, to, to defeat it. Yeah. I can go on the inside. Is any, is there any of those kind of, well, we don't, we should be generals. We should be there involved in making decisions to help end this. It's an, interesting headcanon meeting I want to have. Yeah, yeah. Because at some point they have to decide to take rank because that's what everyone keeps coming back to. You took rank. Yeah, you you are not yeah. just going like, oh, the clones are out there fighting a war. Uh, several of them are getting slaughtered on this planet. We'll go, yep, we'll, go, we'll go evacuate them. We will deflect the laser bolts from the droids while the while the clones evacuate. Yeah. No, they are, they're generals. They are tacticians. Mm-hmm. They are waging a war. Yeah. And I think at some point they must have been able to justify that as we are defending the Republic from these attacks. Mm. We are in, in, you know, Mm. in attack the clones at that point, they accept that Sith, that Dooku is a Sith. Yeah. And how much do they feel like our, our absolute mandate is to stop the Sith. And if the separatists are being led by a Sith, uh, Lord, then it is absolutely our responsibility to stop, that red blade from coming down on innocent people literally and metaphorically of this war. I love that. And, and it's, it's, it's what makes the trap so beautiful because it is, yeah. it is the dark side argument of like, see when you're good and you only want to fight for defense, mm-hmm. you're so easily manipulated. It, no, I mean, I don't, yeah, we could go on and on on that. I guess because I'm fa- I'm just fascinated even more what you said too. Yeah, the fact that they get even a, a, a hint that what is happening has to do with Sith then I would think your duty would say, well, we got to get involved. But then, then again, you dance for the dark side, you know? Yeah. yeah for, for just a moment. And yeah. mind you, this is all set up too. I'm thinking back to even Leia calling for help, you know, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. So we grow up going fight, fight, yeah, Jedi, get back fight, in there, General Jedi, Kenobi. fight, Jedi, fight. Yeah. Like, and yeah, how does that land on Obi-Wan going like, yeah. yes, ah, yes. One of my greatest mistakes ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want me to do that again? And, uh, all right, Leia. And I don't know to what degree George had that built into his brain back then. Cause you know, I think return of the Jedi would offer me enough evidence to think that he would consider it even then that it was part of the downfall of the Jedi. Yeah. How detailed that was written down on his notepad. I don't know. But it's interesting that you have to you have to build back to that moment in New Hope. Yeah. 
And again, there I'm just for myself. I don't know what you felt, but I felt, oh, the Jedi were fighting. They're they're in the wars, man. Yay! I want to see that. Not yeah, thinking noble knights. Knights noble fight knights. wars, right? That's what they do, right? I think that there's complicated areas yeah. behind that. Uh, so let's talk just a little bit about why they made these these choices. We, we've kind of talked about the uh, mm. spun off into some specifics, but um, we talk about hubris a lot. Love we that both, word. Both love that word is uh, <laughs> one of the big words of Last Jedi. Yeah. Hubris, arrogance, uh, complacency, fear. The Jedi uh, who who want to defeat fear, mm-hmm. you know, does fear lead them down these paths? What if you kind of bundle up a lot of their mistakes in the prequel era that they sort of got uh, overly involved with their own rules, didn't think outside of their rules, got got themselves to a place of being easily manipulated by Darth Sidious. Yeah. What do you think besides just like institutional complacency? Is that the big one or is it hubris? Big one, I think the complacency, uh, hubris, because I love that word, the, 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 the arrogance of the younger, and it's easy to say, well, the younger generation, is, is, is more apparent. I'm going to look at the word uh, rigi- rigidity, 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 <laughs> being too rigid, rigidity. Um, uh, here's why I like that. I'm going to go with some personal experience. Okay. I'm not going to go too far down this path. Uh, we talked about it before, but growing up in the church right. and attending two big denominations, we always grew up non-denominational for what it's worth, but um, and in a weird way. So imagine you know, I grew up at the Jedi Temple. Right. Uh, not, I, I'm not attacking anyone who's still involved with any church, or I, I know sometimes we have pastors. I want that clear. Uh, I'm still a strong believer, but I looked around some points and just been like, woo, you're so stuck in, not stuck, maybe that's not the word, but this rigid idea, the, 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 what we are supposed to be, that sometimes you're not looking outside outside your walls and how to reach the people that really need you. Right. And I remember watching Sith and, 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 and attack the clones and just feeling, feeling it a little bit of, of who, who you're trying to reach. Cause your message might be good and things behind it might be good, but how you're doing it, you're not, you're losing touch with what brought you there. And you've been saying a lot recently on the Clone Wars report about Ahsoka being able to reflect that showing the Jedi. It's, it's not what you believe. It's what, your disconnection from that core. Yeah. And I, I focus a lot on that when I really want to get heady about why the Jedi failed. Right. Cause I grew up surrounded by that. I grew up, I grew up as the only kid in my church who got sent to a public school because my parents couldn't afford the Christian private school. Okay. And I was felt, I felt some splashback for that. Even other parents, like Ken, there was a little Ken, bit of Ken goes to the world school. You know? Oh, right. And, and not, not doesn't stay within yeah, structure. But I'm like, but I'm out there with the people that you're supposed to be helping. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying, and then you could, then again, then you could get lost by going too far down the dark side to try to fight the dark side. That's a whole, these, no, I now think, you're getting a life thing. I think this but is, it connects to me. Yes. And I think what you're saying, you know, from your personal experience, I think a lot of us have experienced in religion or jobs mm-hmm. or, religion, yeah. or, you know, government where governments, where the intent, of, you look at the intent and it right. is pure and glowing and wonderful, mm-hmm. but it gets caught up in not, the, the intent is not actually being applied the way yeah. that it, w- it was meant to be. I think about that with the, the slavery question, mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we get fan questions of like, well, if the Jedi were so good, why didn't they stop slavery? And I always think mm-hmm. because like, because it would start a war with the huts. Yeah. And they have to go 
does a Jedi gangster war for <laughs> and for a part of the galaxy that is not technically, uh, yeah. you know, controlled a part of the government that we're aligned with. Yeah. Is that all right? Or will it just spread more misery? So right. you look at that from an intent standpoint of right, right. we, we might cause more harm by saving slaves right. is it, as an institutional thought. Mm. It is great. Yeah. You, we, the audience, uh, Padme, yeah. Qui-Gon, go to Tatooine mm-hmm. and see how people are actually living and how they're being treated. Yeah. And it's real. Yeah. And then it's not as much, it's more about the application and the intent. If, if, if the Jedi order Jedi council at the time went outside their walls a little bit more and, and, and this is this, you know, this is why I, I really do love this new character of Cordova and yeah. Fallen Order in the series of someone who is studying other cultures, study what failed, and he's out there. I it's it's a philosophy of my life. Like you you could you could you know um, I'm not alone in this, but just you could look at a large group and you could write it off for whatever reason you have. But if you're in front of somebody, a human being, flesh and blood in front of you, that's that's a real test of what you believe, yeah. you know, and that could change your mind. And I think the Jedi at some point, they helped, they helped, uh, you know, uh, discover the galaxy or help settle down the galaxy. We might find out more about that in the high Republic. And then a lot of them went through their towers. Yep. And stayed, in, they learned what they learned. They didn't yeah. question it too much. They pass it on to their Padawan and yeah, yeah. it starts to get Be- crusty because then you could look at, Characters like Mina Bonteri and Separatists and, and, and maybe if a, if a Jedi, because uh, remember Ahsoka's like Separatists, you know, and that Mina Bonteri yeah. arc and, that, uh, you know, heroes on both sides in Clone Wars, Separatists are the bad guys. I'm paraphrasing and, and just <laughs> like, well, are they? Are they? Yeah. Dooku, Tyrannus, Sidious. Yes. Yes. There's no argument there for yeah. me. Um, but, uh, you know, if, you could, if, if the Jedi were to sit down with a table of Separatists, would they be like, hey, we've got something here that we need to talk about with the Republic? You know, like, yeah, as opposed to let's go wipe them out. And are they not doing that because they're are too they aligned not? with the government yeah. and they're, yeah, and yes. all, all those kind of things. Yeah. I think hubris is not just a fun word to say. Uh, uh, to it's me, it's one of the big failures of just being as an institution cocky. And I think that is very yeah. much uh, in the prequels on purpose. You know, it is, mm-hmm. it's there in the, in Kiadi Mundi saying, remember, we can, we can right. sense what you're feeling. You can't hide from us. It's there with <laughs> Jocasta New saying, if the planet is not in the archives, right. it doesn't exist. It's there with Kiadi Mundi again, super yeah. cocky Jedi saying, <laughs> there's no, there's no way that Dooku, you know, <laughs> tried to assassinate you. He's a political yeah. idealist. He used to be a Jedi. I'm choking on Kiadi Mundi's yeah. arrogance. A, a yeah. former Jedi can't do this. And I think it is the institutional hubris. Yeah. That explains a lot of their like, why didn't they just run down the Sith Lord? Why didn't they do this? Because I don't, because it was only so few Jedi who even conceived that they could fall. And that yes. to me is the ultimate hubris of, mm-hmm. we. yes, we know we're caught up in bad times. Yes, we know we're stretching the Jedi code, but it's not going to lead to our destruction. We, yeah. We're too powerful and wise to fall. I sense a plot to over the Jedi. But, yeah, but, and I think but that's also really why, news to Mace Windu. We're like, oh damn, yeah. Which is also why I love Mace because there's often those prediction points where he's 100 percent right. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> no one else is like, yeah, let's investigate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, mm. Excellent. So mm. prequels, we learned uh, a ton, yeah. a ton about uh, the Jedi and placing them into real world situations where they had to wrestle with the reality of having power. So in hindsight, then, mm. what lessons do you think Obi Wan and Yoda 
might have learned from that prequel era that they then expressed in the original trilogy. Mm. So once the prequels exist and you can go watch the original trilogy as <laughs> the sequels to the prequels. Yeah. What do you think Obi-Wan and Yoda are expressing that might come off to you in a, in a different way? Yeah. I'm trying to really find really what I think about that there. I, I look at Yoda's, uh, Yoda's failures, uh, uh, you know, which also ties to last Jedi, by the way. So beautifully, yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan addressing that too. Uh, perhaps there's a, uh, Obi-Wan saying, I thought I could teach him as well as Yoda. Could. Yeah. That's certainly just a straight up admission of, of, of I was not ready to be a teacher. Right. I, I couldn't give him what I needed or what he needed. Uh, I'm, so I'm trying to tie it because there's a lot of patience on there. Literally patience. <laughs> um, not wanting Luke to go down that path, but uh, at the same time, sometimes I, I wonder if they felt they could have acted quicker in the prequels but maybe i'm wrong about that then. yeah um i don't know where do you think help me through this because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to really zero down what i feel i'm talking about the dark side cave what's yeah. in there only what you take with you what does that come what does that come from yoda yeah i mean i think for me just the the choice that they didn't act until the galaxy put things in motion yeah i mean the the thought that the, well they just went into yeah. hiding Obi-Wan is, you know, actively watching over Luke. They're both communing with Qui-Gon and trying to mm. better learn their force. But I think it's a big mea culpa of like, all right, we failed by trying to just go out and, mm. and kick ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that Sidious and Vader must be stopped. Mm. But we're going to wait and watch and listen to the force and not you know, uh, no pun, not, not try to force things. I think mm. in the fact that Obi-Wan doesn't act until, uh, Vader is chasing his daughter mm. <laughs> and his daughter accidentally sends a message intercepted right. by her brother. And he's like, Oh, I think the force is saying <laughs> maybe now's, Oh, and their droid is there too. Oh, both their droids. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think maybe the force is hint- and then Obi-Wan yeah. is all in on trying to convince Luke. And then even when Obi-Wan sends Luke yeah. to Yoda, Yoda is still deciding. Deciding. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think there's that. Um, I think it, I think they kind of, in some ways they take different lessons. I think seeing that Obi-Wan believes action is absolute, absolutely necessary, mm. that Luke must defeat Vader and yes. the Empire. You know, we talked about lots of times where they chose not to take an action. Yeah. Interesting that Obi-Wan decides, nope, you must take action. Whereas Yoda, I think, is a little bit on the other hand. Yeah. I don't think the things that he teaches uh, Luke on Dagobah are new, but I think he's got more conviction in the pacifistic mm-hmm. side of the Jedi. I think the mm-hmm. wars not make one great. Like, people have made fun of that line of, mm. uh, Yoda said wars not one did not make one great, but then he fought a war. Like, Yep, but remember his yeah. chronology. Yeah. He fought a war. Mm. It did not make anyone great. Yeah. He probably had that philosophy before, but now he really has yeah. that philosophy of just endless war mm-hmm. is not going to do anything for the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But just everything that he says about the vision of what a true Jedi is, mm. is that they use defense and knowledge that the light side is at its most powerful when the user is passive and calm, which means they're taking actions totally out of a sense of I'm calm and centered and I believe this is correct. I'm not lashing out in anger or hate or jealousy. His, his defense of the dark side Mm -hmm. or or the light side, that it is more powerful than the dark side. Right. Dark side is just quicker, easier, 
mm. faster join unified. I think a lot of that stuff is refined from his experience and Definitely. his attitude seems to be, Hey, if Luke can become a true Jedi, mm. a passive, calm, wise Jedi mm. who only acts and uses his power when absolutely necessary, then great. But if we're just producing Darth Vader Mark II, mm. there's no point, Obi-Wan. And I think that's kind of them going back and forth about their lessons. I love that there's back and forth between them, especially even in extended canon over even who was the chosen one. Yeah. Right? Or this guy. So going in, going to Empire, I mean, listen to you talk. This is what I love when we really start rolling in upper sleeves on Force Center. The idea that Yoda could be telling Luke, yeah, yeah, your, your friends are in pain. And, uh, Yoda's, Yoda's almost wonderfully dismissive of, are they, are they in trouble? Huh. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, you could. He's like, DJ, maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you just 20 years ago watched your organization rush into a war. Right. And you and lose everything. And lose everything. You're going to wait. And then if you've also seen Anakin so obsessed with obsessions and attachments that he runs... You're absolutely going to tell his son, <laughs> hold off a bit. Yep. You, you you could lose them or not. Eh, let life take it. You take it. Take it down the path that needs to go. That's a, a powerful moment for me to see. You know, again, when you really lay Star Wars down on the table, you can see see these connective threads. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, that makes perfect sense for Yoda to be saying, uh, following watching Revenge of the Sith. You know. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. watch out, you know, if, if you hey. value what they fight for, for yeah. freedom, don't, you know, don't make your attachment to them the most important thing in the world. Because you're going to go out, you're going to say them, you're going to make mistakes, you might die, you might turn. Yep. We can't have that. <laughs> yeah, or, and also just, hey, oh, you had a vision of your loved one dying? Uh, yeah. So did your father. <laughs> and in fact, he helped create cause that, cause yeah. that because that's, you know, always in motion is the future is yeah. just true. Uh, but also just that idea of like, eh, it's da- visions are dangerous because yeah. are they, are mm-hmm. they actually temptations for you to make them happen versus right. reality? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that there's a lot of juicy ideas to get from Yoda and Obi-Wan and mm-hmm. what they think differently in the original trilogy mm-hmm. after having experienced the prequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think Luke and Anakin's victory over Palpatine changes the story of the Jedi. How does it uh, defy what Yoda or Obi-Wan thought and, and where are the Jedi left at, at the end of Return of the Jedi? I think it gives some some power to healthy attachments, uh, yeah. you know, um, uh, and I and I think for me it, it helped restore when, when the story's all in place. It might be a little different when you saw it in 1983 as opposed to 2005, but restoring a little bit of the... the um, the Jedi win in the way they might have won 400 years ago. Yeah. You know, uh, if that makes any sense, just like it's a, it's a win for the t- old team. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely a win for the team. I, I feel like, you know, Obi-Wan is definitely of the belief that there's no hope for Vader, that Anakin is entirely gone. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I don't think he, wa- I don't think Obi-Wan wants revenge. I think Obi-Wan finds this incredibly sad that he needs to send Luke to defeat him. Yeah. But that is, the Jedi way of that. Like, well, it, it, as long as it's not out of revenge, the Sith do need to be stopped and it's sad and, mm. and, and necessary. Mm. And, and I think from Obi-Wan's perspective, that's what's going on. Yeah. I think from Yoda's perspective, it's maybe slightly different because he, he, in Return of the Jedi, he tells Luke, you must uh, face Vader again. Only yeah. then will you be a Jedi. So from Yoda's perspective, yeah, he wants Sidious and Vader stopped, but it seems a little bit more like mm. your ultimate test will be how you handle this. Yeah. 
and are you going to lash out yeah. in in revenge? And if if Luke had just cut Vader's head off, mm. I think Yoda would have been like, <sighs> just replaced one yeah. one Sith with another Sith. It's it's it is about their death, but it has to be about how they are stopped uh, as much yeah. as the fact that they are stopped. And I think Yoda is a little bit more on board with that. And I think the great, uh, maybe Yoda has a hope for it. Mm. I think it's totally news to, to Obi-Wan, mm. but the power of the, it, it is attachment to Anakin that helps Luke win. It is yeah. uh, attachment in, in faith in his friends that, that, Luke gets to be such a beautiful mirror of Anakin Mm -hmm. where Luke truly loves his friends and wants to save what he loves, not just fear his own pain from losing them. Yeah. In that Luke does manage to just kind of turn all of those Jedi fears on their head. I think that's like a huge turning point for Jedi philosophy Mm -hmm. is presented by Star Wars and a huge learning moment for both Obi-Wan and Yoda. Cause I think it speaks to Yoda saying, eh, let your friends die. Yeah. Their attachments, they're, they're a little bit dangerous. If you respect what they fight for and, and they sacrifice themselves, that's the way of the force. So be it. Yeah. And then we wait your, your absolute dedication that your father could still be there. Your, the strength that you draw mm. from your belief in Leia and Han and Lando and all of right. those things are, we don't necessarily see it on screen in the original trilogy, but, Mm. They have to be learning moments. Yeah, uh, the learning for it's a learning moment for uh, fans. Yeah, you, you said something, but um, it's how you win, right? Or you face them. The, you know, again, destiny takes you to a point of of, of choice. Yeah. Um, so you destiny saying go face Vader, and how you face Vader is is the determination factor. Because as a as a, as a kid or growing up, and I'll say this, it might be a little snarky. I think a lot of people, even now, who watch maybe say the movie The Last Jedi, <laughs> um, misinterpret. He's going to defeat Vader. That's his mission on surface. But it's the how is the real mission, and that's why he wins. He chooses the right how, I guess. I don't, I'm really dumbing yeah. it down. You know, so Luke chooses it. But as a, as a youngster, I'm looking at all that mattered is that you did it. Yeah. Oh, you're going to go kick his ass. <laughs> and if he had chopped his head off, or continued to, to rain down blows on him and in that moment doesn't stop when he sees his hand. We've got Vader Mark II, like you said. So yeah. uh, that's fascinating to me that that uh, that's part of the whole lesson there, too. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting lost a little no. bit in the train of thought, but I'm excited about it. I'm excited because I, I, that, I think that was missed for a lot of people. If yeah. you don't go back and examine it. Luke goes and saves the day. But how? How, how? he saves the day is, is, is the the real challenge. Yeah. I mean, the the idea of throwing down his weapon being the most triumphant thing that yeah. a Jedi can do is definitely a commentary on, you yeah. know, when, when something will be accomplished by fighting and you know, when something won't. There was a uh, rewatching the Citadel arc and one of the little, um, proverbs that comes up before i think the last one is i'm paraphrasing but it's like a victory without honor is no victory at all or something yeah like that. and and it's and anakin's kind of on the he's with tarkin he went yeah. like, we're not going far enough to win and even it's it'll be one but you know and ahsoka just like well you know 
how we win is also part of part of it. <laughs> that matters too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, part of the reason that I wanted to uh, walk through all of our thoughts on this is to get us to the sequel era, so we, we aren't discussing them in a in a vacuum because the mm. sequel era definitely wrestles with the point yeah. of the Jedi. So let's dive into uh, the sequels. Laura Santeca says in The Force Awakens, "Without the Jedi, there can be no balance." At this point. What do you think he means by that, and and what do you feel about that? <laughs> I got to tell you, I less and less understand balance <laughs> the more I hear about it. I like the I like the Freddie Prinze rant of two for two. I like that. It doesn't necessarily track for me in all examples. Yeah, uh, I like we keep going to this Qui Gon quote. If I go to light because uh, it's there, um, uh, I've sometimes wondered: Does the Force really choose sides? Is it rooting for? The New York Yankees or the Dodgers? I don't know if God is, but uh, but the force, is it light or dark? Again, it's there. It's how you use it. We talked a lot about the, the Mortis arc this past week on the Clone Wars report about the sun. He was always dark, but now he decides to act on it. So there's all those kind of things. I just, so I'm, I'm starting to wonder in my confusion over the what is real balance is, uh, and, and Rise of Skywalker tries to answer it too, and Trevorrow apparently wanted to answer it his own way as well. Um <laughs> In this moment, I think it's, I never forget the Sun to Senteca said this without the Jedi uh, to, uh, to, to fight back the dark, to fight the light. I don't know. I'm confu- <laughs> I really get confused on it. Okay. Uh, I will, I have opinions. I want to so hear I will share opinions. Uh, but also I'll you share, uh, Lucas's opinions because, uh, yeah. should have, uh, honestly, uh, uh, touched on this uh, before moving on to the sequels, but we can go back for it because mm-hmm. it is kind of important. Return of the Jedi, people generally re- think of Luke, but Anakin can also be right. the Jedi returning, and a lot of people interpret it that way. Uh, Obi-Wan thought Anakin was just gone. Mm-hmm. We learned that that's, you know, that's not true. Anakin was still there. He still had the power to make the right choice. Right. And from Lucas's perspective, as he's discussed it, this is, Anakin ends up fulfilling the prophecy. Right. That for Lucas, the balance in the Force is that there's light, there's dark, it exists, it's in balance. But when dark starts to act, when they say, we, don't, it's not enough that it's 50-50, mm-hmm. it's, we want more and more and more, it's greed. Right. They spill out into the galaxy, causing fear and pain and anguish and extinguishing uh, the light. Mm. And Vader, uh, or Anakin rather, yeah. by extinguishing Vader and destroying Sidious, mm-hmm destroys the Sith and brings back balance. balance. And as Luke tells us in The Last Jedi, for many years, there was balance. Mm-hmm. Half of Sidious is hanging out on Exegol. They're building up, but yeah. they're not out there mm-hmm. greedily grabbing the galaxy until the First Order really starts to right. rise in, in power. So if you accept those ideas that there was balance for a time, mm. but now the First Order is is uh, making themselves known. They are starting to really ab- abduct children on a massive scale. Mm. Uh, Kylo Ren has fallen to the dark side. Snoke is out there in that dark side grab, that greed that Lucas is so interested in telling us the story about yeah. is grabbing and grabbing and grabbing away. And more and more without any trained Jedi, certainly probably some force sensitive people wandering around. Yeah. Ray hasn't awakened. Luke has pieced out to Octo. Yeah. There is nothing to stop this just wave of darkness continuing to usurp everything. Yeah. And I think from his perspective, it was, 
I always think of the most pure analogy of the light side and the dark is there's an innocent porg sitting there. Mm -hmm. Sith comes along with a red blade and like, uh, I'm going to cut that in half. Right. And this blade of light ignites to just block it. Yeah. Just to block the blow. And I think what, uh, what Laura Santeca is saying in a Mm. big cosmic way is there's nothing to block that blade just coming down and slashing all innocence, yeah. all goodness in there. It has to be a blade to act in defense, to block. I, excellent. Excellent. If we were in an auditorium, I'd be giving you a stand and ovation. <laughs> here's, so I'm just to, to, for those out, th- out there who are kind of in my seat of like, sometimes I don't know the idea that the Jedi aren't there to necessarily defend the light. They are, but to defend the actual literal balance. Yeah. The balance Luke talks about, not just what you said, but when he explains to Ray, life, death, Porgs being born, Porgs died. Yeah. That thing, that is the light and dark sort of, so to speak, at work. Uh, the, the father, the son, yeah, the Holy cold. Ghost, yeah. uh, and the daughter over in Mortis, like, that's a representation of balance yeah. in a way. Uh, uh, the fact that the father might be representation, uh, representation of the Jedi and his son and daughter, the light and the dark. Uh, I'm just uh, making sense for myself. Yeah. So I love this idea of, yes, they are defenders of the balance, not necessarily the light. That makes some sense to me. I don't know if I'm even hundred percent ac- uh, right, but like to, to the force isn't necessarily rooting for the Jedi, but it needs the Jedi to keep those who would use the dark side, to destroy it at bay. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. It's more just about keeping that, yeah. keeping it at, at bay. If you mm-hmm. picture anything, you, you made a, a joke about your, your peanut butter and jelly sandwich being the right. light in the dark and is jelly is the dark side. And just, Ooh, if yeah. you picture jelly, just consuming everything, <laughs> you need some peanut butter to hold it back. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have really, uh, come to appreciate that i think larson tech is right as we get yeah. into you know the the real heart of this the, the justice for the jedi are the just jedi necessary what does the sequel trilogy say about them um mm-hmm. so jumping ahead to the last jedi so luke uh thinks it's time for the jedi to end we know mm-hmm. because he says that right yep. up there in the trailer <laughs> yep yep uh he cites this uh cycle of failure right uh, kind of illuminating a little bit of what we talked about in the prequels uh, he specifically mentions allowing Sidious to rise and destroy them when they're at the height of their power. Mm-hmm. It, he says it was a Jedi, Kenobi, responsible for the training and creation of Vader. It seems like he does, Luke does blame himself uh, mm-hmm. on some level for, quote-unquote, creating Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. And I think this real specific verbalization from our hero of questioning the Jedi mm-hmm. is why a lot of people feel like, what did Rise of Skywalker say about the Jedi? Because Last mm. Jedi was clear. Mm. Luke literally said these critiques. Yeah. Do you feel like his critiques uh, are right, that he was right to question the Jedi? He was 100% right to question the Jedi, 100% in everything he said here on things that happened. But Ray is 100% accurate to be like, ah, but, <laughs> ah, but. And this is one of my things that I think there might be a disconnect between the character of Luke and Last Jedi and some people who, who who love Luke. I'm not saying you're wrong for this disconnect or not wagging a finger. I'm just saying I saw a character who was depressed, a character who felt overwhelmed, a, a character who was put on a pedal, pedestal and treated as a hero and that wore him down and that broke him down. And it is easy when you're depressed as a human being to concentrate on all the things you've done wrong. 
and to con- concentrate on on how we've I've got to stop this. I got to go away. I got to and and, and 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 that's not always true. Yeah, and from a certain point of view. <laughs> That's just where I took it from. Uh, and, and we're going to go into maybe a little bit more what that actually meant. But I just, I still, so I think he was right. He's right to question. But the answer doesn't always mean, it, 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 yeah, it's, you're right, it's bad. Questioning is not wrong. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I think Luke was in that yeah. moment, specifically. I think that's I think it's a great you know, way uh, to say it, that, yeah, he is right. Those mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. But while he's thinking about those... And I think it's comforting him for him, mm-hmm. just like when we're depressed, to yeah. think to compare our failures to other failures because it feels mm-hmm. inevitable. Then, right? So for him to go like, "Well, yep, look, Yoda screwed up and mm-hmm. Dooku fell. He yeah. allowed Sidious to rise right under his nose, and Kenobi failed my mm-hmm. father. And it's just this is just the Jedi. We I failed my nephew. This, this is what we do. This is what we, we do. We, we fail people, and then we try to stop them, and trying to stop them." only makes, you know, the violence spread. It's all legitimate. Mm -hmm. But I think what you just said, which is brilliant, is that's not the whole story. Because he ignores those great victories we talked about where Mm -hmm. he found a path of the light side where he did take action. He didn't Mm -hmm. go and confront his father. Yeah. But he rejected violence in a moment that it wasn't going to make things better yeah he he found a a better path for the jedi in that moment it helped to reawaken anakin Mm -hmm. so anakin could complete his prophecy all these all these great things and ray kind of does say it back back to him of like yeah but you did these great things but he's just kind of leaving them out of the narrative when he's upset and hiding out on octo it's julia roberts and pretty woman the bad stuff's (laughs) easier to believe and i really i really think that's what part of what ryan was putting out there i think so depressed A, a, a guy, a character, a person put up on a pedestal and doesn't feel he has the room to make mistakes or feel the room to be depressed. And so then he makes a huge mistake and is like, here we go again. So, of course, he's going to feel that way. And I think in some strange way, mm-hmm. in that moment, Luke is talking to people who have had the conversation that you and I did about the original trilogy mm-hmm. and the prequel. Yeah. In, the, in the real world, in mm-hmm. the original trilogy, the Jedi were this fantasy yeah. Of heroes. Yeah. And in the prequels where, yeah, they're yeah. real people who had to make real hard decisions and they made some mistakes. Yeah. And there's this great real world rhythm of Luke is just going, ah, you know, in the original trilogies. <laughs> when Obi-Wan told <laughs> yeah. me they were, you know, guardians of peace and justice and, and Yoda told me about defense and knowledge. I aspired to be this fantasy mm-hmm. hero. And now I'm mad that I can't be because the truth is. Yeah. Responsibility, the power of this responsibility in choosing when to act and when not to act is incredibly difficult. And you're going to make some mistakes And that tension between fantasy and reality is a massive challenge. We keep talking about and I keep talking about how part of Last Jedi was, hey, the entire generation put this hero on a pedestal. Well, who also put the hero on, on the pedestal? Luke put yeah. himself on the pedestal in the sense of I've got to be this. Because that's yeah. what you said. In the original trilogy, the Jedi were this. <laughs> I'm a Jedi. Huh, huh, oh, God, I got to do this. And that's yeah. an unbelievable amount of pressure that he has put on himself. Then the entire galaxy puts it on him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and hard hard to uh, live up to that. So yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about Yoda's appearance. Yep. 
so he appears to Luke uh, and he says many things that relate to the legacy of the Jedi and what they may or may not have learned. Uh, said, you know, lose Ben Solo. Uh, you did lose the girl Ray. We must not. Uh, Yoda destroys the tree, mm-hmm. but not the books because he knows that that uh, legacy, that information is, is already gone. Uh, and importantly, he discusses learning from failure. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, Yoda's speech, what he's trying to convey to Luke, what do you think the movie is saying about the legacy of the Jedi at that point? I'm, I'm, to me, it's that the legacy of the of the Jedi wasn't in that organization, wasn't in that uh, temple in Coruscant, uh, wasn't it, it was in the the spirit of it all along, um, and Ray represents that to me, like it's fr- not just a fresh beginning in terms of. You know, we keep going back to this gray Jedi joke, kind of necessary rage. Not, not like well, we must Jedi can now marry, like, not, and that there might be stuff down the line they work with. But you know, not that, but just like someone, just the pure approach to it all that Ray has is what's needed—a fresh beginning. And yes, we did have all these mistakes. I think it's it's no mistake or no coincidence that Luke lists off all the mistakes early on, and 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 Ray's like, hey, "Those are failures, not the end." And you got Yoda going, hey, the, well, you know what's the best teacher? Failure. <laughs> that's that's very much obviously on purpose. Not to mention Yoda's the one who in Revenge of the Sith is like, I have failed. So he's got a lot of lessons to ruminate on. Yeah. So the like, to me, the, the, this is the part of getting to the justice and clearing their name. It's just like all that is still there. We just have to get to the core of what we were. Yeah. And this tree and even those books. <sighs> yeah. That's not who we were all along. Luminous beings are we. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. What I, a couple of things that I take from it is just the simple, yeah, the last Jedi brought up criticisms of the Jedi that Lucas was trying to show us Mm -hmm. in the prequels. But that's only half of what I think the last Jedi is saying. Because by Yoda saying, lose the girl Ray, we must not, Mm -hmm. that is Yoda explicitly saying, the Jedi should continue yeah. in some form or fashion, but what is the version of the Jedi? And I think you're eloquently saying it's not a tree, it's not a building, it's not a set of uh, rigid rules. Mm-hmm. We're not pulling Rey aside and chiding her for missing mm-hmm. her parents, mm-hmm. We're reacting to the the spirit of who she is, and, and we think that she should go on. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, Yoda appearing to Luke and saying, it's okay to make mistakes. We just need to learn from them. And that that's a true burden of all masters. There are, uh, we are what they grow beyond. Mm. There's a power in Yoda saying that to Luke, mm. Luke being Yoda's student yeah. to me feels like without belaboring it saying, Hey, you taught me some things, Luke, you found yeah. a way forward by making right. attachment a strength. You found that way forward that I did not. You grew beyond me. Mm. And Ray is going to grow beyond both of us. And all of those things to me are a real statement in The Last Jedi of, of course, the Jedi should continue. Yeah. And then we get to uh, Luke force projecting to crate. So yeah. what do you think that says about his Jedi beliefs at that point? I really think it's a celebration of him accepting that was what must be done, but doing in, in, in his in his way, which we've talked about a lot of of. It is a return to that that uh, hero that threw down the lightsaber. Uh, he's not going to strike out and uh, you know strike anyone down out of pure, not tap into necessary rage <laughs> yeah, and destroy exactly. all the walkers. <laughs> um, 
and it's to also I, I always talk about the Obi-Wan's death in, in A New Hope was for Luke to learn, like, you, you, this is your fight now and you don't need me. And this is the galaxy's way to learn that you don't need to rely on one person who could potentially be fa- fallible. Uh, so now it's inspirational. Broom Kid and Tamari Blag, everyone gets to enjoy it. Um, <laughs> there's still some logistics at play about you might be inspired but afraid to act still. That's for episode nine. Yeah. But in that moment, uh, I really do look at it as, 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 as going back to pure maybe even pre prequel era of what maybe the Jedi could have done. Yeah. There's war galaxy. Let's find another way to fight that war. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the, uh, the force projecting to crate because he says to Yoda, uh, I can't be what she wants me to be. Right. Luke doesn't see a path forward. We're raising his blade to his nephew. Mm-hmm. Won't just keep the, uh, a cycle of violence going. Yeah. And I think that's where Luke has has so been trapped, which is this uh, constant Jedi conundrum of when is inaction the better choice right. versus action. And I think what he comes to accept is, well, just not doing anything is mm-hmm. shirking my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I have power. I have wisdom. Here is this young girl here who's saying we need to act. Your sister still believes that we need right. to act just not doing anything is unacceptable. And Luke comes to accept that. And I think the fact that he does anything is an acceptance that action is necessary. And he for himself doesn't feel in the moment I can solve things by active violence. Right. But he, he inspires people and he literally saves his sister. He saves the galaxy by buying the resistance time in the way that he needs to. Yeah. And he, you know, plants some seeds of doubt in Ben's mind. He is, he's confronting his own failure, which is mm-hmm. a very Jedi thing to do. Right. He is confronting, he's not trying to change Ben's mind because he knows he can't in the, at that time, mm-hmm. but he is confronting him and he is literally saying, I will not be the last Jedi. So it right. feels like that this, that it, just a return to a Jedi must act but exactly what we choose to do, how we choose to act is important Mm -hmm. because I know I need to do something. This is what I can do. It's not rip everybody out of the sky and violently defeat them. Maybe that needs to be done someday, but it's not for me and it's not now. Right. But I can act. And that spirit of the Jedi should continue. And I believe it will continue in Ray Mm -hmm. is to me what's going on in those moments. And it's her battle now. We, we talked about this big thing of how, of how, how, how. Yes, go face Vader. How you defeat him is what wins. I I don't believe, and, and Luke is tremendously powerful. Uh, we know this in terms of video games. If you look <laughs> at it, he's got a high ranking. But i got to tell you this. I think in his heart of hearts knows that if he was to fly to crate on that X-Wing, Kylo would kill him. He'd kill him. Let's not even worry about the ATM-6s and everything. Kylo would kill him. I think he's, I think, I think he's probably knows that. What does that get anybody? Yeah. They would not get out of that cave. Kylo is essentially defeated by Luke because he can't kill him. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> so it, <laughs> he's screaming. He's there and he buys him that time. I think, I think if the, in that moment he chops him in two, Luke's dead. And what does that get anybody? So I think it's again of Luke going, how, how do I do this? Yeah. I need to defeat Kylo, but, but how? And I, I think, and this is just me just almost looking at it like a sport. 
I just don't think he would. And I think in his heart he knew. Yeah. That's part of my interpretation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is so powerful for him to go, okay, I was wrong to hide. I must act. Yeah. How, 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 what is going to be the most, the way that works for me? And, and to your point, Mm -hmm. if he truly believes like, I, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't literally defeat them. Mm Mm-hmm. But, oh, but wait, maybe, maybe I can win this specific battle this specific way. I'm also really moved by something that that you've talked about in the past, but didn't really fully register to me until I was thinking through the legacy of the Jedi in the sequel trilogy and their actions. Mm. Rey has that funny line early in Last Jedi where she describes what a Jedi is and Mm. that they can move, you know, rocks. Right. And Luke really like, it's not a power you have. Right. And I think, I think last Jedi does believe that. And it's like, yes, it's the force is much larger and much more philosophical than that. But to Mm. me, it is about, yeah, but if you are a Jedi and you have this power, because it is a power, you can do things other people can't, you have a responsibility to use it. So at the end, Ray's actions are a direct, have a direct relationship with Luke saying moving rocks is just this paltry doesn't matter. Mm. And then we get to the end she says moving rocks and she right. literally moves the rocks. And it's an example where action taking the responsibility to use your power does matter. Right. Because without Ray as a force user being able to move those rocks, they're not getting so, out of there. And Luke's sacrifice would have been for nothing unless Ray mm. looked at, the force looked at being a Jedi of like, Hey, sometimes for yeah. real, it actually practically matters. The there's the actual like mm. Spider-Man level with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Moving yeah. rocks matters because it might, <laughs> might mean life or death for somebody. <laughs> Moving rocks matters. Is, a, is now a bumper <laughs> sticker, a t-shirt we need. <laughs> Moving rocks matters. Uh, all right. So we have covered everything so we can get yeah. into the heart of, the uh, justice for the Jedi specifically in the rise of Skywalker. So I've had the back and forth with the Jedi's uh, successes, their failures, their uh, choices to act or not act their uh, Their role is, is fantasy heroes. Their role is uh, practical uh, people trapped in organizations. The beginning of the rise of Skywalker, Leia and Ray are actively training in the ways of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Why do you think our two heroes, Leia and Ray, are doing that both from a, a practical perspective and a philosophical perspective. I, I and, and with a focus being on be with me, the Jedi of the past, like it's, it's this idea of potentially, potentially getting it all back to the beginning, which I think is a lot about what Ray and again, what Yoda's stuff in the last Jedi is about. And, and the fact that there's some patience to it, which is, is this wonderful tension between her and Poe. Yeah. You're a weapon. Go be a weapon. <laughs> and Leia knowing, being smart enough to know, oof, you are a weapon. And wow. And, you know, and again, uh, at what point does Leia learn the know or learn the truth of, of Ray's lineage? Yeah. You are a weapon. I cannot have you run out. I need you to connect with the greater force, the greater purpose and original vision of what the Jedi could and should be. Yeah. I need you to know yourself and trust yourself and, yeah. and be the good person that you are. Earn the blade in a way. Right? Yeah. That's part of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's my starting point. Uh, yeah. I think, I think for me, what I think about is that if Luke's lesson is, and Yoda's lesson is the Jedi do need to continue and they do need to act. Mm-hmm. Leia's always been a proactive totally. character, right? And Leia's always been about, well, 
yeah, we, we need to go out there and get things done. And mm. the, and even Ray starts her journey with the last Jedi of saying, Kylo Ren is very powerful in the dark side of the force. And we need like, yeah. some of it is, is the affirmation of, of there is practical power in being a Jedi and Poe pushing mm. on that too. And we see it when Ray gets out in mm. the field, it makes a difference yeah. to have these abilities. So I think there's that real practical level. Um, and I think on a philosophical level from Leia's point, it really struck me that Leia has always understood the power of hope. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why she wanted Luke back because he is physically powerful. Yeah. But she also knows the power of him as a symbol. She also yeah. knows what the galaxy has whispered about this, you know, brave young man with the blade held high. Yeah. And she knows the power of the Jedi as a symbol of hope. Yeah. Which to me is a great affirmation, you know, and some of this is, is my own head canon, but it's, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, going back to what Leia has said, what Leia says, she sent, you know, Ray to Octo for, for hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The idea that, okay, Luke has passed, but we have a new, new hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's you, Ray, because the Jedi matter. The Jedi matter because they are a symbol of hope, just like we felt when Obi-Wan Kenobi described them as guardians of peace and justice, brave Jedi knights, you know, defending the defenseless. People need to believe in that. And you are the reality of that. And you are the symbol of that. And we need to get you out there. Uh, it's it you know when when Aragorn leaves because he must in Return of the King to go get the army of the dead, uh, everyone's immediately crestfallen because they don't understand the big picture because yeah. he's a symbol of hope. <laughs> he's gone. We're going to lose. Now, you know, so, so Luke is off on an island and everyone in the galaxy is like, uh, what's it even matter? He's not <laughs> even around to fight. We're yeah. going to lose. We need that hope. Yeah. Uh, so that that's powerful to me. Uh, you talked a little bit about this. Uh, why do you think Ray wants to commune with the Jedi who have come before? Yeah, I... I <sighs> I'm still working through my thoughts on this one there. There's some, to me, a practical level of just learning. Maybe, you know, particularly if her and Leia are, are a, you know, alone training. Certainly Leia has enough knowledge to train her. I, I believe that. But, yeah. uh, and she got the books. Uh, Ray's got the books. But I think, again, I don't, I, I don't know if this is exactly right, but like they're, they're kind of the two last. Yep. There's others in the galaxy. Yep. We know Tamari Black's running around. We get it. <laughs> but th- these two characters are alone. And yeah. so to, to try to connect with what came before, because what came before seems so far off and so unreal. And, and that's part of Ray, Ray's alone in her mind, you know, especially after losing Leia. And no one knows who everyone thinks they know. No one knows. I think there's a lot of this frustration and, and solitude and, 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 you know, Ray just feeling that I'm cut adrift. So, but they're out there. And so then I can't get to them. So what's wrong with me? Cause I can't get to them. And then they're going to come to her at the right time. I think that's a starting point for me. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't quite know. I no, and I think you're spot on uh, for me with what is going on with Ray as a character. This is a, another point of wanting belonging, wanting connection, right. wanting to, to be herself, but also be part of something larger. Mm-hmm. It also shows to me, like, hey, Luke, I understand that you had upsetting experiences and you you felt that there had been failures. Mm-hmm. But I want to know for myself. Mm-hmm. I want to read these books. I want to connect with them. I want to learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. I want to, going back to our earlier conversation, if the Jedi had 
noble, pure intents that their ideas and their rules and the code on paper is noble, but they drifted. Yeah. It, to me, it's, it's a source of her saying like, I do want to be a part of everything that has come before and I want to learn from it. Mm-hmm. I want, to, there's a lot of value still to be had here, even though they made mistakes and I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Is yeah. Uh, to me just by the act of Leia and Ray training a statement from the film hmm. that they care about the legacy of the Jedi and mm-hmm. they feel there is value there. There's we've been talking about justice, but this forgiveness for any wrongs too. Eh? It's powerful. <laughs> yeah, we probably should have called this episode "Forgiveness." Forgiveness for the Jedi. For the Jedi. <laughs> uh, Luke admits when Ray uh, uh, gets to the island mm-hmm. that. It was fear that kept him there. Yeah. What do you think he was afraid of? I think afraid that he was alone, afraid that he couldn't do it, afraid that he, he clearly had this moment of, of failure again with Kylo, uh, Ben, excuse me, but then the moment passes. And I just think, I think when you're afraid that you're, you're the problem, you're going to, you're going to isolate, which is why the force came to him in dreams to tell him this is what happens when you don't get involved. But, but, uh, I think the fear that he couldn't be Luke Skywalker anymore is pretty big to just be like, well, then then I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm going to run away. The fear that he could not live up to his yeah. own ideal of what a Jedi right? can be you or know? should be. Yeah, I got a friend who's a pretty strong guy uh, uh, going through some stuff in life where, where part of it is I know who I'm supposed to be to everyone. And sometimes I don't think I can. And yeah. I'm kind of like, hey, that's because you can't, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And I think Luke need to learn that. I think that's great. I, I, yeah, I think there's that fear of, you know, he makes that one split-second mistake with mm-hmm. Kylo where he ignites yeah. the blade in defense. He sees mm-hmm. the darkness, and he thinks, maybe I should stop it. Mm-hmm. Realizes, nope. Uh, so mm-hmm. he has that fear of, oh, what if I take the incorrect action and make things yeah. even worse? And that fear of, what if I can't live up to being a guardian of peace and justice. And I think the fact that Luke says out loud in the rise of Skywalker, it was fear that, that kept me here is an admission, not only of making a mistake, but also that of course he supports the legacy of the Jedi. Mm. Um, Mm. we get to see Ray running around being a Jedi. We get to Mm -hmm. see her struggling with, uh, with doubt in the dark side, but, what do you think Ray's actions tell us about what she believes the Jedi to be? I, I, I think at the end, I mean, again, she goes through some doubt. She taps into some anger. She taps into some rage, you know, stabs Kylo for what it's worth. I think I, I there's a moment of resignation before Palpatine. She seems to kind of be like, uh, uh, okay, okay. And I'm not saying even, you know, that she's like, yeah, you know, you're right, Grandpa. I'm just saying there's just like an overwhelm. She's alone in that moment. I, I think there's something to be said, even though she does end the movie, um, burying the blades alone. And uh, now she lives off on Tatooine alone and, and never speaks to anyone again, according to uh, some theories. Um, there's something to me about her Jedi philosopher of, of do it, of, of, yeah, I am this, but I cannot do it without all of you. Yeah. Uh, without the Jedi that came before, the legacy that came before, I needed uh uh, ben, uh, I need Poe, Ray, uh, Poe, Finn, a lot of folks. I don't know. I, I, I see her kind of, I'm not going to be the only weapon on a pestle. Yeah. We're all going to do this. I don't know. There's some of that to me. Yeah. Some of that to me. I think that makes a lot of sense. A new breed of Jedi doesn't, again, mean you can date. 
can. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Yeah, I think she's probably getting to make up the rules. Yeah. I'm just, I was really affected. Every, the first time I saw Rise of Skywalker, every time that her first instinct is to heal. And that her first right. instinct is to care mm-hmm. for other people. She's got a little bit of that Luke of like, mm-hmm. I've got to go it alone. I have to, you know, live up yep. to my responsibility and, you know, and right, Finn's right. pushing back, of you know, alone with friends and that. But the fact that Poe's like, shoot, <laughs> shoot the snake, shoot the yeah. nexus. She's like, no, 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 let me try. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, yep, there, there's some Star Wars action adventure where she just blows some stormtroopers away. But when she can, she'd rather mind trick them, you know? Right. We see through her actions that like, look, I want to stand up for the side of light and I want to act only in defense. I don't mm-hmm. want to be a kick-ass weapon mm-hmm. going through the galaxy, just cutting people up. Yeah. That that is my, my first instinct. And the fact that she spends so much time with those books. Yeah. And you go back to knowledge and defense and that, and she wants the knowledge. You know, it's so interesting. We, we've talked before here that we, some of our favorite moments with Daisy Ridley go back to fixing the antenna on BB-8 or, yeah. or helping people around or some of our favorite moments in, or in Rise of Skywalker or her just simply smiling at the, at the Aki Aki and look, wow, this is amazing. The rain in her hand in Last Jedi, she, she had to go through this horrible period of isolation. Uh, and she's probably questioning that, but you look back, it's like you needed to go through that fire because now you're in a position to appreciate all the little things and all the peoples and all the cultures and everything in the galaxy that you didn't grow up with. We're part of the Jedi and the prequels where we find them. A lot of them did start for that point. They, they settled the wild west of the high Republic yeah. era. We're hearing more possibly this, the story in that comic that they, Kess Dameron mentions it was wilder time. The Jedi were there to help settle it. So then they all get in their towers, a little bit of ivory tower thing, and they can't appreciate all the little things out there. Ray had to go through that journey so she could smile around the galaxy and be like, we need to heal this. We need to protect this. Yeah. Uh, I like that kind of idea. Uh, if she's looking back in her old age of why did my life go that way? <laughs> why did I have to spend 20 years or so, you know, 13 so years in the desert by myself? Yeah. So I could appreciate the world as, 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 as it is. Yeah. I think that's so great to go back to the thought of did the Jedi in the prequel era really connect with the people that they were in mm-hmm. theory saving, defending, mm-hmm. protecting. And to see her look at that happy festival and look at those children it's laughing so at a story and just being like, that's what it's, that's what I'm here to defend. That's yeah. what darkness will intrude on. And I think it's meaningful that that's when Kylo makes a connection with her and the festival goes dark. Yeah. And he is, he is a, is a symbol of the dark side is a threat to this example of light and happiness in the natural order that, that she can appreciate. I just, I feel like she exudes Mm -hmm. not the rules of the Jedi, not, you know, a academic debate about the Jedi. She exudes the spirit of the Jedi Mm -hmm. of heal first, appreciate a story. Try to stand up and act. Even when you're scared, try to be there for your friends. You know, there's Mm -hmm. just so much about her. That's just, that's that. I think that's part of the reason that Rise of Skywalker affects me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Ray on screen is kind of the Jedi I imagined mm-hmm. when I first heard Obi Wan's speech. Using necessary rage. Oh wait, sorry. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, maybe in the Javaro cut, but in the uh, the yeah, Abrams no, cut right. of the Abrams right. film. Uh, let's go to her last moment. Mm-hmm. So, Ray at this point, the uh, the hope of the Jedi. Uh, she has communed with the Jedi. Uh, ben has turned. You could make an argument that she is not the last Jedi in the moment because mm-hmm. Ben has returned to the light. 
But Ray, alone with those uh, two Skywalker blades, uh, defeats Palpatine. What, through that action, do you think is being said about the path of the Jedi, the need for the Jedi? I think maybe now that we've thought about it, it, it a little more, it might be fulfilling what Lord Senteca said. <laughs> there it is in motion. It's also, we've talked a lot about the completion of Le- Leia's legacy and journey. Uh, I, I think it is, is uh, if you're wondering about balance, there, there it is. <laughs> there it yeah. is. And what drives, what drives Palpatine more, more, more. He could, he wasn't even happy with death. <laughs> he wanted <laughs> to come back. He wants more. Um, Kylo was almost consumed by, I can give you everything. And yeah. what, did, what did Kylo think? He goes down the Anakin path of, well, if I join him, join him just enough, <laughs> I can defeat him. But here she is. You need defenders of the light. Yeah. I feel like to me, it's, it's just such a literal image. It's, it's what I like about, Hey, here is the dark side all accumulating on Exegol. And they're literally going to go out to the rest of the galaxy. That, that image of darkness spreading over everything. Mm. Those star destroyers are literally going to go out to every planet attacks on every free world. Mm. The darkness is literally going to spread out from Palpatine like that lightning and she holds those sabers up to block it. Yeah. To just say, you know, you, you can't consume the darkness. Can't consume everything. Mm-hmm. Anakin, I, I, you know, it, it's art and you can take it however you want and, and yeah. interpret it however you want. But Anakin says, restore the balance as I did once. Yeah. And that idea of if Palpatine is allowed to roam free mm. acting in darkness, the balance that I restored will be gone yeah, and hold up those uh, lightsabers in defense against the darkness yes, yeah. is to me like a powerful statement of yes, the Jedi are needed. That moment is for yeah. me justice for Jedi because she's doing it not out of hate. It is because it mm-hmm. needs to be done. The, yeah. She's simply blocking his hate. Yeah. Yeah. From escaping out into the out. galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So uh, just a couple more questions because I know I knew when I was putting these together and you know it's getting <laughs> excited. This would be an, an extra long one in our history of long ones. Uh, so that's going to, I think, a, a good talk through a lot of the ideas yeah. of the Jedi and how they're represented. But I want to ask you from a little bit more film mm-hmm. analysis point. Last Jedi, it's natural that people would gravitate toward Last Jedi was critical of the Jedi because mm-hmm. Luke explicitly says a lot of things. Yeah. Do you think that the rise of Skywalker should have had more explicit discussion about why the Jedi are needed? Or do you think for you it was conveyed in actions? I think it was conveyed in actions. I really think it was. I think everything you just described, I think um, I think it's there. Um, I think sometimes, yeah, maybe I wanted a little bit more for the benefit of podcasts everywhere. Um, <laughs> just for the benefit of clarity clarity but the debate over what finn was going to tell ray is an example of yeah look should he have actually said in the movie oh okay but i think it was a lot more beautiful to just kind of pick it up on your own the clues of connecting finn connecting with leia over we understand ray and the janice stuff i just think sometimes I like the idea of art leaving a little ellipses on the end of things. Yeah. And, and this one to me is pretty explicit, (laughs) but 
you know, I don't mean to be cynical or negative about some people's uh, discussions on on this on these movies, but sometimes, um, yeah, I think it, some of the bigger points are missed, even though they're right there. So maybe yeah. maybe one line, yeah. maybe maybe uh, Yoda says in the you know the Jedi, good are they needed? <laughs> are we? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, new but school, think, you will start. Yeah. New rules. Uh, I totally get that that Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi verbalizes these critiques so that Mm -hmm. when you get to the rise of Skywalker, it it can potentially feel like, yep, hey, um, here are some lightsabers. Go kick Palpatine's ass. I don't think that's what he's saying at all, but I understand how it can feel that way in contrast. So there's a part of me that's like, did did Luke need to offer more from his own perspective about about why his actions on Crate and why his encounters with Rey and Yoda... Uh, just a little line about his belief about mm-hmm. the power of the spirit of the Jedi, maybe. But uh, I, I also love that his mission to her is confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Yeah, because then it relates back to everything. Yeah, it, can, it, it relates to his fear coming to Octo. It mm. relates to Yoda and Mace Windu and Kiadi Mundi's fear of Anakin falling to the dark side, and you can trace the mistakes of the Jedi back to. Mm-hmm. Did they do a good job confronting their fear? Yeah. That's the test we always have to pass. That's mm. what we have to get past to make the better decisions about when to act and how to act. Mm. And now in in your journey, here it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Luke, it's all your fault. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. All right. My final question for our main topic is, as an adult, do you still want to be a Jedi? Uh, yes. I'm always going to be a lot like Han, but going to what the Jedi are and what they represent, especially as you get older and you start looking outside of yourself more and more. I think one of the big cures of depression is to look outside of yourself uh, and try to see where you can help. Uh, I think that's important in this day and age. And uh, so I would, I, I would want to put on a cool cloak and not even need the lightsaber, but to carry that <laughs> philosophy throughout the galaxy. Uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I still want a lightsaber. I mean, I, I yeah. have one I bought yeah. from, from yeah. Disney, but I want a real lightsaber. I'd still yeah. love a, a real lightsaber. And I would like to be able to move rocks with my mind. That's great. Yeah. But I, I just have to say, I'm so thankful for this uh, podcast uh, in, in the Star Wars community for giving me kind of a, a reason and an opportunity to dig into why the Jedi are meaningful for me. Because yeah. I think these this philosophy of defense and knowledge trying to your best to understand where other people are coming from and be there for them and questioning Mm -hmm. when to act and then also questioning how to act and using all of the philosophy everything that everything that yoda says in empire strikes back is valuable Mm -hmm. you know going into a conversation at the bar with your friends that you disagree with with Star Wars, you can say to yourself, mm-hmm. uh, what's, what's in that bar? Only what you take with you. Mm-hmm. Do you walk in there with anger? Or yeah. Do you walk in there yeah. with uh, pacifism and, and only uh, igniting your blade in, in defense in of defense. your Star Wars opinion, but not to <laughs> attack somebody else with your Star Wars opinion? All that it. stuff. I'm kind of mm-hmm. joking, but I, I yeah. think there's really great philosophy and i and i spiritually want to be yeah. a jedi yeah because i think that's the ultimate story of of the skywalker saga is yes they make mistakes right but they are a power of light yeah and they are needed mm-hmm. they're at the center of the story yeah galaxy is huge but they are at the center of this story yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So that is our look, and hopefully we've brought some justice to the Jedi. I think so. And to you know, go back to the very beginning, quick note, what excited me about this is because of the prequels, because of The Last Jedi, because of interesting things and, and punditry, the punditry business is large. Sometimes it's very fun. Just like I did on the uh, May day back in 2002 where I told my friend the Jedi are the a-holes of the galaxies. <laughs> it's fun to dig into those the problems that they created, the issues they have, the mistakes they've made. But then that could put you too far down the path of thinking, well, the Jedi were bad, which leads to weird thoughts about the Grey Jedi stuff. And again, I don't if you think there's a thing of the Grey Jedi, I'm not, uh, you're not throwing rocks at you, but... We handled that in previous episode about why we think that's at odds with Lucas yeah. and his core. But I thought the the Rise of Skywalker brought it all back to the Jedi are there for the victory over evil. Right. The whole purpose, part of the purpose of this big, giant, modern myth. And we all got caught up. I'm looking at myself. Got caught up in the, will the Jedi did this? And we cast them as bad guys. Threw them out with the bathwater. Yeah. And I'm glad that there's a little more justice out there for the Jedi. That is great. Yeah. Ignite the yellow blade <laughs> of the guardian. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. All right. Well, we're going to, uh, we got a few things left here on the show. Power of the light side. This is our segment where, uh, we go to our Patreon supporters and let them submit uh, something uh, positive, something about Star Wars, uh, where they've been inspired or their love for the, uh, the franchise has been on display in life experiences. And this week, Joseph, we got one from uh, Robert McPherson. Yeah, that's right. Robert says, I've always loved the Force. As a kid, it was the idea of being able to move things with my mind and wield a lightsaber. As an adult, the idea of an energy that connects all living things has helped shape me into being a more loving, compassionate person. I've always tried to help the next person do the right thing, have a bigger respect for nature and the world around us. Well, surely it was because of the way my mother raised me, I can see the Force through her. So as Luke was a Jedi like his father before him, I try to be like a Jedi like my mother before me. Ah, uh, see? See? Yeah, that's great. The, the, I didn't even uh, realize when I was pulling this together that Robert actually had the perfect button to our conversation. <laughs> Robert, you've closed the main topic today. That is the will of the force uh, from yeah. Robert, so thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we're going to go to some audience questions here from Twitter. John Hankins, could Obi-Wan touching Luke's forehead be the first on-screen appearance of force healing? This is a you know a little retroactive headcanon, but it's kind of fun to think about. What do you think about that? Yeah, I really like that. Uh, I like that is headcanon because I admit it's one of the things from A New Hope where I've always understood, oh, the, the Tusken Raiders were trying to hit him. They did something to him. And then when his adult is like, why didn't they just bash his skull in? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it is a interesting idea. If they did give him a, a good, solid knock, yeah. and he was actually not doing well, that Obi-Wan was like, this is, uh, this is part of my whole thing yeah. to protect Luke. And right when I was about to find him, he got... Uh, <laughs> grievous head wound <laughs> and I'll heal it. That's uh, there's a lot that's fun there. It's definitely fun to, to put that there. Now, I mean, you can, if you go to Palpatine and, and Anakin on the, the fiery shores of Mustafar, uh, I've always said it's just a little bit of a case of force aspirin. Uh, from um, Obi-Wan and just kind of checking to make sure he was alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love it. And that's part of the fun, man. You can connect these headcanon uh, moments in your life, John. Uh, Danny Jepson says, given that we've read, seen the, quote, leaked scripts and storyboards for Rise of Skywalker, do you think we'll ever see the footage or read the script that Gareth Edwards was working with for Rogue One? I really want to see the footage that initially they initially showed in the early teasers. Uh, and I do too, Danny. Mm-hmm. I do too. I mm-hmm. don't believe I'll ever see it. 
shouldn't unless it is leaked. Leaked. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think eventually yeah. we might uh, mm. we might see. Uh, I don't know if it's picking up. We'll, it, well, we'll acknowledge acknowledge that there's some. I've been chased across my building <laughs> trying to find a noise free space, and there's some there's some lawn work. This episode was recorded in several different locations <laughs> of our uh, home Scrimshaw studios. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a great Thirty Rock song. Never go to a second location with a hippie. Never go to a second <laughs> location trying to do a podcast. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, uh, I think we might see some scripts because I think there are other mm-hmm. versions of scripts and I think we might get a better sense of what Edwards was going yeah. to do, that different third act if scripts get leaked. Yeah. For the footage, I have a sense that there isn't really an Edwards cut. Yeah, yeah. That some of that footage, mm-hmm. as I believe Edwards himself has said in, in interviews, some of it, like that shot of Jen in the tunnel and the lights coming on, mm. that's just a cool shot he did. Yeah. And it doesn't fit narratively yeah. into any sort of jigsaw of an, of an Edwards cut. So yeah, I would love to see those early drafts of, of scripts and have oh, some of those rumors me. confirmed. I would love that. I would yeah. love that. Uh, we won't uh, officially, I think there's probably in accepting a, a director to come in and finish your work. I think Gareth probably had to uh, enter a, a situation where he had to, uh, you know, play ball. Yeah. <laughs> and I think other people were not so willing to play ball and that might be why they're on the on the road out down the line. I think Gareth played ball very well and so yes. that's why you'll never see it from him, but who knows, maybe he could leak it to a movie news website like I think someone else did. Um <laughs> To Patreon we go. John Z. John C. Why do you think Kylo places his hand on Vader's mask at the beginning of The Rise of Skywalker when he seems to be manipulating the training orb that blasts Rey? What does it mean that he's physically touching the mask instead of just closing his eyes and reaching out to Rey? Good question. Yeah, I mean, are we accepting that he does manipulate the training orb? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah. Uh, For myself, I didn't interpret it that way. I interpreted that he is reaching out to make a connection with Rey or or, or kind of force Rey to have some visions and that's throwing her off the game in the, in the right, training right. remote's just doing what a training remote does, which is right. try to sting you. That's how that's I, the way I interpret that's it. That's why I took it to it. There's just different ways to uh, cut Absolutely. the pizza and, and eat it the next yeah. day. But uh, <laughs> that's where I took it. But he is touching Vader's mask, uh, using that. Um, do you, what do you, do you draw any power from Vader's mask? Symbolic? What do you think? I think so. I think it is. I think Vader's mask symbolizes his mm. desire to be connected to the dark side. You know, that's the way we saw it in The Force Awakens. We said, show me, grandfather. Show me, you know, help me resist the light. And I think it's, to me, it's a, I am committing to the dark side. Mm. And I want to know the truth of what, Ray's deal is I'm kind of reaching out to her, but I'm sort of just reaching out to the force too, because they, they seem to kind of share yeah. a part of a vision of many of the events that connect them or are central to the galaxy, to the force. Mm. Uh, and then we later learn that somewhere in this Ray literally sees herself and Kylo on the throne of the Sith. Yeah. We don't see that at that time, but we, she relates that she she sees that in the vision. So I just kind of take it as him intending to reach into that connection with Ray yeah. and doing it from very much a place of the dark side of if there's any information left in her mind, I want to rip it out of her. I like that. I like that, John. Hope you like that too. Final thought of the day comes from Will Culberson. 
Uh, Will says, my favorite little moment from Rise of Skywalker is when Lando gives some instructions to the driver of the treadable on Pasana, that's Kalo Ni, and she uh, responds with a little hilarious, okay, if you could insert that okay into any other scene in the franchise, what scene would it be? Mine would be Obi-Wan, Anakin, Chancellor Palpatine is, Palpatine is evil. Anakin, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil, to which Obi-Wan responds, okay. <laughs> this is great. This is great, because this is one of my favorite moments. It's hilarious. I love this. It's so just Star Wars weird and wacky. It is. It's just like, there's a Muppet here there's now. There's a Muppet. And and you could say there's no reason for it, but yet there's every reason for it. Uh, what do you have for this one? Oh, man, there's so many. Uh, this is a little bit classic, but uh, I like the idea of uh, Coloni herself just popping up random places. So, you know, yes. Empire Strikes Back, the... The super moving, I love you, I know. And then Cloney popping up for just behind Chewie going, okay. okay. <laughs> that cracked me up. Also because of the shared visual, mm-hmm. I, I would love a special edition that adds uh, Cloney to the trash compactor scene. Mm. Dianoga pops up and then Cloney pops up and goes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very similar. Very similar. How about yourself? Um, I, if we're given the line and even the tone uh, to another character, uh, when Lando tells uh, Wedge, uh, you go for the North Power Regulator, just have Wedge go, okay. That would be great for me. Uh, you could put it anywhere else. But but uh, Kalo uh, Nee pop- popping up. Is, there's a yeah, lot that's a different one. That's yeah, you're right. If I was going to put it in a character's voice, uh, I would go to beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Anakin's trying to decide whether to kill Dooku. Yeah. And, uh, and Palpatine says a classic, do it. Anakin <laughs> says, okay. <laughs> Chops his head off. You could, you could also have her pop up uh, where, where they go to arrest Palpatine. Oh, it, yeah. It's treason then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Oh, Will, that's a fun. great way to end the show. Thank oh you, Will, God. John, Danny, and John again, John Hankins. If you have a question for us, you want to comment on today's episode, you can do so by finding us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube as well. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Tune in. Uh, we have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. I think we might have a shirt that just reads, okay, um, <laughs> coming down the line. Uh, Patreon.com slash Force Centers, where, uh, Joseph, we've got uh, new things going on with new patrons. We're making plans and news coming soon, right? That's right. New music for Star Wars Rank coming, and we yeah. passed a couple of other goals that uh, we're making some plan for, and we'll be able to announce uh, in the hopefully near future. If you want to be a part of all that, including access to our Discord, where we have some great discussions with uh, great Star Wars mm-hmm. fans, you can check out check it out at Patreon.com com slash four center and see if it's for you. I got a show coming up, stand up comedy. I can officially, uh, you know, it's out there. But uh, March six, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, seven p.m. Mandalay Bay. There's a House of Blues inside the Mandalay Bay, and uh, Mark Ellis will be headlining. And I'll be featuring and some other potential. Su- surprises so if i don't lose all my money at the wheel of fortune slots or game of thrones slots or lord of Rings slots i'll be there you can go to markellislive.net for tickets or go to catnapsuck.com uh to link to that directly uh joseph uh, uh you know uh, i've gone to vegas with you and lost money with you on oh, slots yeah. so you know maybe uh making swing on out with us oh it'd be great fun <laughs> i would love that i would love to lose money and, and and watch other people lose money if that's what your goal is in vegas man you're gonna have a there good time go. uh what else you got going on uh yeah you can follow me twitter 
Twitter, Instagram, at Joseph Grimshaw. I will be at the Doctor Who convention, Gallifrey One. I'm doing a bunch of different fun panels and doing a stand-up comedy set for the halftime show of The Masquerade there at Gallifrey One. So if you're there, fellow Doctor Who and Star Wars fan, please come say hello. Uh, And then my other podcast, Obsessed. This coming Thursday, uh, I did a really fun interview with our friend of the show, James Arnold Taylor. Uh, many, many voices in Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars animated series. Uh, he's also a featured voice and character on the Rise of the Resistance ride. Mm-hmm. Got to do this episode of Obsessed, just kind of talking about being a voice in Star Wars in general nice. and a lot of his different uh, experiences and approaches to Star Wars. So that'll be out this Thursday. So please do check that out. All right, big, long, fun episode. This was a great one. Justice for the Jedi, indeed. We'll see you next time on Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.